See, what you need is a serious program of work. Not an aimless rambling amongst the canyons of your mind. All we're trying to do is turn you loose on the world. Cool, we're a team. Hey, would you come up with a catchphrase? All right. Okay, on three. One, two, three. Get back to work! Let's get to work. So we're just going to fucking free ball it, just the two of us. Special fucking episode. You guys ready to do this shit? Thank you for listening to Hog Story, where the thermometer reached 100 degrees today. But I never knew it was even in school. I'm Fletcher. And where you can't just Greek any vegetable, I'm Carolyn Blaney. Well, should I jump in? Absolutely. Yeah, the water's fine. I'm Adam Curry. Woo! Moon landing talk. Oh, yeah. Uh, Second half show. Let me just change my settings. I'm John C. Dvorak. (laughs) And uh, I'm here for the first time at the show that they snubbed me the last time they wanted me on. But here I am. Graciously. (laughs) So what is... I just swallowed the beef. Oh, you know, we were... uh, So what is this show? Where we we I feel sit. like I'm back in the 70s, 1978 AM radio, the big 740. AM. Oh yeah, <laughs> it is. It is AM 740 with, with cussing. Yes, <laughs> because the uh, I guess the FCC doesn't care. They don't anymore. No, not with the uh, well Howard Stearns. I guess numbered. on satellite. These are numbered. These are numbered. Yeah, they'll uh, they'll come track all of us podcasters down before too long. I think. All right, well, give me a little first. background on this show. Where are you guys anyway? Fletcher, you're in Texas somewhere. Mm-hmm. Carolyn, you're where? I am in, uh, I'm in Ontario. I'm in a town called uh, Keswick, Ontario right now. Um, that's, uh, that's north of Toronto. And, oh, um, hey, north of Toronto? Yes, north of Toronto. Oh, yeah, I've yeah. been there. Eh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Go oh, through yeah. that once. <laughs> I spent a week there one day. Oh, you did, eh? (laughs) There's plenty of fishing and boating around here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So one of the things people should do, they should all go to uh, Toronto, Toronto, Mm -hmm. and they should uh, go to Montreal. They should go to Edmonton. They should go to these cities in the winter and go underground because the whole city's underground is fascinating. Americans don't have any of this. Underground, oh, yeah, yeah. There's a whole underground uh, section in Toronto. There's uh, there's like a whole go- mall. They got a food court. Wow. It's, big, it's not as you know. She's not making it. She's not really describing it correctly. It's no. huge. It's, you it's can huge. go from the York Hotel all the way out to the suburbs without ever putting your head above uh, above the the sea level. I mean, you just underground, underground. You, it's unbelievable how big it is. And Montreal's underground is bigger. It is, yeah. Yeah, Montreal's is bigger. It's wow. a whole town under there. Carolyn, oh, yeah. you've never really talked about that. Not that I'm aware no, of, anyway. No. Only Canadians <laughs> talk about it. They don't let Americans know. No, I guess. And you're <laughs> spilling the beans. Because yeah, you're dumb Americans. Oh, let them stay up, si- up the top. Hey, nerds. It's, it's fine. They're here. bitching more about how cold it is. Oh, you might have heard that clip come in of uh, Emily Kwong saying, hey, nerds. Uh, that's our boostagram sound. <laughs> See, Brooklyn 112 said, JCD in the smoker boost with 33,333. Oh, that's a lot of threes. 
that. You know, John, Montreal is this one of those places I'll, I will tell Americans to go to first before going to Toronto <laughs> because I, I, you can get alcohol anywhere, uh, convenience yeah. stores, gas stations, everywhere. Um, and I've never had a bad meal either. Oh, no, the food in Montreal is world class. It's, I've never had a bad meal there either. And yeah. uh, it's just astonishing how nice it is. The uh, all, A lot of Canada has good food. Canada generally has better food, to be honest about it, than average Americana. Uh, I would say that's true in uh, Quebec. Uh, it's Ottawa. Uh, you go to British Columbia. There's a lot of good food there. Uh, I've had... And I haven't had as good a food experience in the middle states like uh, Alberta. Uh, oh yeah, it's not a it's not a gourmet's paradise there. But uh, but Edmonton's got an underground too. But it's is a little weirder than the other ones because it keeps coming above ground and then going back under. It's like a snake. Uh, <laughs> you're walking along underground. Next thing you know, you're up above. You're in a dome. It's like a domed area that goes along the streets and then it drops again. I think it has something to do with the with the geography. Uh, when was the oh, last yeah, time you were mall. in Canada? I haven't been in Canada for, I don't know, uh, six, seven years, maybe longer. Oh, okay. Probably seven, seven. It hasn't changed much, I can assure you. I'm no. sure there's more wokeness up in Canada than there ever was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, ever since definitely. Trudeau got in, it's, it's ruined the country. I don't want to go. No. I don't blame no. you. I don't blame you. <laughs> Uh, Trudeau's out. I'll come in. <laughs> well, uh, like Carolyn says, oftentimes he um, he he kind of has a way to he could stay in there for forever. Yeah, it's a scam. People always say, "Well, let's have a parliamentary system in this country so you can get rid of these guys faster." No, you can't get rid of them. That's the problem with a parliamentary system. It can be exploited the way Trudeau's done it. He's got, I don't know, some old-fashioned tricks that his dad taught him. I don't know. I, I look at it and I say, why is the why are the Canadians allowing this to happen? Yeah. And he won three times in it, uh, being elected. Three times. Yeah. <laughs> and he, I think he, he won't stop until he gets, uh, his party gets a majority in, well, in that'll parliament. never happen, but yeah. these, these elections <laughs> seem rigged. They do. Yeah, it doesn't it certainly doesn't reflect uh, what people say about about uh, Trudeau or the Liberal Party. They say he looks really nice on the calendar. Is that hey, what? nerds, it's Emily Kwong here. Oh, there she goes again. And now we have uh, and now he has a new haircut. Did you see his new haircut? No. Oh, oh man. Have you ever <laughs> seen Dumb mohawk? and Dumber? Is it a mohawk? <laughs> He looks like uh, Lloyd Christmas really from Dumb and Dumber, the character that right, Jim Carrey played. Jim Carrey played, <laughs> minus the cracked tooth. I, I think <laughs> I think the Mohawk would have uh, <laughs> he would have uh, spoke to spoke to their people, the mm. people who uh, are into into him. Really, Justin Trudeau new haircut. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, it's I it's may have different. Seen it. I, Oh yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> he looks like a lesbian. He, he does, does look like a lesbian. <laughs> he's a lesbian. Yeah, yeah. He's got necks on his on the. He's all clean. The one I'm looking at is very clean shaven with this haircut. Yeah, he does. Yeah, Plus, yeah. He looks like a lesbian. Do you think his <laughs> wife gave him that haircut? Maybe. 
put a bowl is over his, his head and I, I think um, she is actually <laughs> I think it was her and uh, the former uh, governor general who was the who was the astronaut lady and and she oh. she got booted out because um uh she she was accused of just uh causing a toxic um work environment in uh within the government so they had to had to oust her well he sure what, looks younger with this haircut yeah yeah clean shaven yeah like a middle school student yeah mm-hmm. or a middle school drama teacher <laughs> He should really go back to doing that. <laughs> well, you think he would uh, do any less damage to the country doing that? Probably. It's already too late. <laughs> it's already, yeah. <laughs> you could just go back. It wouldn't, it wouldn't matter. <laughs> That's awful. Yeah, I don't, I don't so know what how. You, what, what, so let's go ahead and talk, just get the show going. What do we talk about on this show? What is the emphasis on this show? How does this show exist? It exists because uh, Carolyn and I like to uh, like to tell jokes. Like to, um, I I for one especially uh, enjoy making fun of content I hear on NPR. Their voices. Uh, so many people have. I mean, every single person on NPR has a distinct voice. All the way, you know. There's Scott Simon, who's who's just talking like this and interviewing Hillary Clinton for her book, and oh. uh, all the way to Mary Louise Kelly, who. Carolyn does a great impersonation of that lady. I even have some uh, NPR clips from a show called Shortwave of them uh, talking about spicy food, and it's terrible. I don't, I don't see how they continually get money, but um, we just we just bring what interests us and, uh, and and joke about it. We also take voicemails, and uh, we have a question every week that we encourage people to uh, uh, participate with. And um, it's mainly just uh, having a good time. We didn't want to have a, essentially a no agenda junior podcast. You guys already do such great work with your media deconstruction. Uh, we wouldn't, we wouldn't even do it uh, half as good. kicked off the stream. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, uh, and so a number of people that have done no agenda type shows over the mm-hmm. years uh, after we already kind of perfected what we think is the formula and uh the best one was the guys out in seattle and it was it's ironic for a couple of reasons one is was called unfilter or unfiltered i think Hmm. and they did a reasonably good job and they weren't you just i mean they stole a lot of our jingles and stuff but everybody has done that Mm -hmm. but they uh, they 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 produced material that not based on what we did so much. They did their own clips and but they post produced the show. It took three or four days to get it out. Oh, which is problem number one. It wasn't very. It didn't come out. This you know our show comes out twenty five minutes mm-hmm. at least currently. It comes out around the last show. I think Adam wrapped it in thirty five minutes. I mean, so it's between thirty five minutes and an hour. He's, he's got faster machines now. And uh, the fastest show I do that comes and it post gets posted a little bit is Horowitz's show. He he gets that thing done in fifteen minutes, but he doesn't doesn't have all the. We do have have to have a meeting about the art and some other things. It it slows it down quite a bit. Oh, but uh, so yeah, we talk about the art, and we have to bitch and moan about the title. What do you think it should be? I think it should be this. I think it should be that. Uh, so we get that those things out of the way, and that takes. 
anywhere from five to ten minutes. And then then he's got to put the show Hey, nerds, it's Emily Kwong here. She's coming. Hey, Emily. Hey, Emily. Um, He has to put the little thing at the beginning and uh, Mm -hmm. make sure it fits and then boom. Then he has to then he has to uh, make it put into a file, which takes forever. Oh, yeah. Be rendered, as it were. I'm essentially so, yeah. lazy, so I don't like going through the show to pick out the uh, cold open clip. I'll just play them at the beginning, uh, and I'll just search a keyword through my collection of clips. And today I, I, I chose work. It's, it, it is faster not to do it, but it's a stylistic thing he started and can't stop doing. Oh, yeah. And it's yeah. okay. It shows that yeah. you put some thought into the show. As opposed to just going straight to the, you know, we're done, clip, we're done, we're out of here, uh, and and post it. You can't do that. You have to at least spend some time. Carolyn and I uh, go back and forth on the artwork throughout the week. So when we're done with the show, we we already have the artwork ready. We do a a new piece every episode. And um, I don't do much as far as post-production with the audio. Just touch it up a bit if it needs it. And then... We, we get the titles from the voicemail, the Google Voice transcription of the voicemails, which is, it gets better uh, nowadays, but it used to be the, consistently so wrong and so bad. Yeah, the machines are uh, as, learning. <laughs> as time goes, yes, well, also as time goes by, things improve. These podcasts get better with, uh, the problem with most podcasts, it seems to me, mm-hmm. uh, having watched this for some time now, uh, is people can't stick to it long enough to l- see if the podcast can actually work and, and do well. Mm. Yeah. Um, I did just, take a know, piece they, of your advice. Sorry to interrupt you. Um, no. It was... Uh, <laughs> shouldn't be sorry. <laughs> oh, well, the Canadian uh, the Canadian here has uh, uh, worn off on me with a sorry. Oh, sorry there, sorry. bud. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, bud. Uh, if I could possibly interject uh, some words. Uh, no, playing... Uh, playing background noise so i've got um oh some nature sounds i uh, recorded oh, that's uh, dynamite. an hour I, of i was loop. going through my sound effects the other day and i found my bubbling oh and, nice uh, oh <laughs> this, uh, this uh, what we're talking about for anyone who <laughs> the 25 people listening um no offense oh no. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, it may be a little i did i actually did this on a local a radio station once because yeah. I was a substitute on KNBR, I think it was, one weekend. and uh, But I heard it on a college station. I think it was KFJC or one of the college stations down the peninsula. It may have been. I'm pretty sure it was KFJC. And um, there was some guy just doing a regular show, but he had this cauldron bubbling in the background, just constant <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And it, was, and it, was, it wasn't like – it wasn't – pushed up it wasn't uh potted up it was just un- you could hear it though and so you kept hearing this thing and it was like it was hypnotizing and so i said that's the greatest idea ever so i dug around and i found and somebody actually made me a continuous loop bubbling cassette and i still have that around somewhere i don't know where exactly but it's around and i think I, well it's around so i can't find it so I, I went to the station to do a weekend show and uh, I gave it to the engineer. I said, you got to run this in the background. And, you know, I would think I'd get some pushback. Hmm. Okay. So uh, <laughs> weekend, the weekend crew is not, they don't care. And so, okay. And so they ran, I did a, I don't know, it was two hours or three hours of 
yakking about something or other uh, and uh, tech and uh, this bubbling go- <laughs> going on. <laughs> Nobody said jack about it. No, why? I mean, maybe it's uh, weird. Maybe they were. It must be relaxing or, or something. Maybe. Oh, maybe I think it's, it's slightly some... relaxing. Now, back to this background sound effect. So, so I bought a, a, a an alarm clock. A because my other one broke. I dropped it, fell off the table, and shattered. And so oh. I I went to a Target to find. And they, they are, you know, nobody uses these alarm clocks anymore. Everybody goes to bed and wakes up with their phone. Mm-hmm. They have yes. their phone. Everyone in my family, they get. How do you wake up to the beep? It doesn't make enough noise to wake up anyone. Yeah, it, go, it gets a little louder. What if it goes dead? Anyway, so I couldn't. I can't deal with the idea of using my phone to wake me up in the morning. You know, I need something loud. But they had this this little digital clock that seemed okay, and the beeping was loud. But they had four buttons at the top, and it turns out that these four buttons are for background sound for sleeping. So they oh. have, yeah, and and it actually I started using them. And the one I, the only one I really didn't wasn't distracting was the sound of rain. And I've heard about these devices you can buy, put them by mm. your bed, and you push a button. It sounds like it's raining out. So I, I, I was using it. I was using it. Sound like well, I know it's not raining out. It's hot out, but it was kind of relaxing. Went, fell asleep much easier. And then the other ones where they had um, sea breeze, you know, some sort of ocean whoosh whoosh sound with a with the waves coming in. And then the third sound was the sounds of the outdoors, chirp, chirp kind of thing. Oh, yes. And, and tree frogs and stuff. That, I was never going to get to sleep with that kind of racket. No. But the fourth one, white noise. Ah, uh, there you go. Oh. Yes. And the white noise is interesting because it sounds a little bit like the raindrop sounds, but it's white noise, and it obliterates all the sounds that are outside the freeway. There's hey, nerds, freeway. it's Emily Kwong here. Hell, Emily. <laughs> it, it just eliminates, uh, it's just a damned interesting sound, and it's, it, you just conk right out. I, it's hard to explain. Oh, no, I have to, I sleep with a, uh, with a box fan on my floor, uh, and it's the same, similar deal with um, just white noise. Yeah, it would be. And uh, that works because uh, I have, uh, I, oh, sorry, I have tinnitus in my, uh, well, it's, it's worse in my left ear than my right, but it's in both. And uh, just dead silence, uh, it just uh, it will keep me awake forever. Yeah, get rid of your Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah? Well, that's my theory. Uh, I can't mm-hmm. prove it. No one's ever going to put the, anything together to prove it because we, you know, we need Wi-Fi. Everyone has to have Wi-Fi, so you got to have Wi-Fi. So we have to be inundated with Wi-Fi. Uh, what I've done in my house is I've switched from. For one thing, you get these. I have a couple of gigabit systems coming in, and uh, they give you, you know, Wi-Fi routers. And, you know, okay, you get the Wi-Fi that comes in with it, or you're, you have to get a router yourself, and you hook it up. Um, now, get rid of those and just get the simple high-speed Ethernet switch. And so mm-hmm. you get an Ethernet switch, and, and then it goes, it's wired to everything. You don't use Wi-Fi. And if you need Wi-Fi, because there's always somebody, oh, I gotta have some Wi-Fi. I'm going to be over working on the computer. I need Wi-Fi in the kitchen. So... Um, I have gone to home plug. It's not a home plug called home plug anymore. It's called net fifteen hundred. It's got all these different terms, but the the wire uh, home wiring networking, which I remember reviewing 
oh, I don't know, 20 years ago, and people, this is when the ham radios were bitching and moaning about it. Oh, it's going to screw up all the, all the ham <laughs> radios because these, these signals, they not only go into your house, they go all over the neighborhood. Uh, although nowadays they've got the thing so fine-tuned that it doesn't do that so much. The quality of the signal coming through your home home wires is outstanding. I mean, I run my TV downstairs running one of these. You plug it in. So you take your router, your regular router. You yeah. you buy these 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 little uh, and they're like a couple about two or three companies make them. I've written about it. And uh, you plug it in the wall. You plug your router into this thing. Now the home network uh, is activated, the home wiring network. And then you take an, you, you know, one of the slave plugs and you can, you can plug it in someplace else and you push a couple of buttons, you know, like the, you know, those, those self-identifying things. You push the, what's called WPA or whatever. Oh, you yeah. Push the button push the button here, you push the button there, boom, they, they match up and next thing you know, it works and it works well. And so with a gigabit going into it, I get, uh, I've gotten 700 megabits per second down downstairs over in the kitchen. So that seems reasonable, mm-hmm. but you can also buy them with the, where their slave unit is a Wi-Fi hotspot. So you can plug your, home network uh home which was once called home plug it's now called something else I, I don't have this in front of me uh you can plug that in and use the slave unit is a small wi-fi node from your main computer so it's it's kind of like a wi-fi router but it's not it's just a, it's a single source single spot and you can have wi-fi in the kitchen and that whole environs around wherever you are downstairs it's just not flooding the damned house hmm. with wi-fi and you can and it, in the one example is one uh company that makes one it's got a little switch on it so you can just turn off the wi-fi if no one's using it uh on the plug off the slave plug works like a champ that's it's what i need so, it's yeah. so good the way it works, it's like I'm stunned. And of course, yeah. because you know we haven't, we don't have computer magazines or anyone to tell anyone about this stuff anymore. <laughs> Nobody cares about anything unless it's a phone. So all the tech shows don't discuss. I haven't seen it discussed. It's stunning technology, but it's old, crappy technology that didn't work at all. Had everybody bent out of shape, didn't have much speed. That they just kept working on it and kept kept working on it and kept working on it. the Chinese. I guess are the ones who finally. I don't know who who perfected it, but uh, over because it's hard to tell because all the gear is Chinese now. But it's just killer, stunner. And then I don't have a whole house filled with Wi-Fi. Mine, I can't turn the Wi-Fi off. It's a router provided by uh, the company I go through, and they want to charge. It's fifteen or twenty extra a month if you provide your own. Yeah, there's own. another thing you get. You have to pay for this. Tell them to take mm-hmm. the router back. You can just plug your connection straight into a regular Ethernet high speed gigabit router, a regular router. Oh, no, that's what I'm Wi-Fi. saying. They want to charge extra if you use your own, because they they I don't know what their bullshit excuse is. But that's bullshit. Sue them. Exactly. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, I did notice uh, we, we had a huge uh, or nationwide uh, Internet uh, outage. And what I noticed was there was there, the, just this quiet in even when I was outside because you have every single house in the neighborhood uh, flooded with Wi-Fi. And there, it was just this this calm. 
I it was <laughs> so difficult to describe, but I was able to just like pull out a book or you know get like a piece of paper, and I'm just like you know writing stuff for the show and and just getting ideas out, and instead of just being uh being tied to tied to Wi-Fi, tied to uh, that, it's, it's, that's fascinating. It's kind of like how I I I have a hard time really having a good sleep if my phone is in the same room. Mm. Yeah. I wonder, there do you, you think go. it's maybe a, a harmonic of the two and a half gigahertz or five gigahertz, um, uh, a lower harmonic? Uh, five, uh, I don't know. I, and it could be bullshit. All I know is I've just concluded um, to myself that I don't need, what do I need all this extra RF in the house? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I'm yeah. just inundated with RF. I'm getting it through the house from outside. I'm getting it from the satellites above me. Mm. I'm getting it every which way. And what am I, what, pumping it up with more? Yeah. Uh, in the house with, and, it, and those little Wi Fi routers, or those, uh, yeah, the Wi Fi router, they got two signals going on. They got the, the, the non penetrating five gigahertz signal, and then they got the 2.3, whatever, 2.4 um, range signal, and it's just, to get all of them going. You, you, nobody's using them. Now, I, I mean, have this off- theory that I, I pay attention to uh, local, I guess, space weather, our interaction with the sun and everything. And our, mag- our magnetic field's been weakening uh, exponentially over over a course of years, and it's been migrating. So the, the uh, North Pole is moving yeah, south, and the South Pole is moving north. And a flip. Well, it's, it's almost... Now, I, I don't have the charts in front of me, but if you look at the, the rate of our uh, technological advances, uh, that goes up right as, as well as the magnetic field weakens. They, they are almost at the same rate. Do you, do you think that maybe our electrical grid, all of this extra um, electromagnetic energy, which is um, different than the Earth's magnetic field, which is a negative, and all of our electricity is a positive uh, could that be, I don't know, uh, spurring it on to uh, to change and weaken and potentially God, flip not. and like wipe it let's, all out, kind of zero not. the equation? I think that the difference in uh, in the total electro- electron units is probably pretty drastic. I, I really doubt anything like that's going on. But the flipping thing has, you know, is going to happen. They think that when it flips, because it does flip every, I don't know, every there is a, a, a frequency when it, how often it flips well, that's just what we see in ice core samples like it has to uh stay in that flip state long enough to affect uh yeah. whatever yeah, material that has, shows up in the ice the core. it has in the past I mean, oh yeah it be, has it could be more frequent is all i'm saying that uh it might flip think, and flip back without showing up it could, well that, that's an interesting idea it could flip and flip back and never maybe because there's no proof it doesn't but the point is is that uh when they starts to flip, there's a pair, I guess, and this is not going to be for a long time, but I guess there's a moment just before this thing finally solidifies in one form or another that there's no protection yeah. and that there's an aurora every night everywhere. Oh, yeah. Which would, would be the least of, of our concerns. <laughs> well, yeah, we started the cosmic rays, but yeah. I'm sure we could, you know, shield ourselves for a while. Well, maybe that's why uh, cities like Toronto and Montreal and all these uh, ancient uh, places we find in in Europe and uh, the Middle East have cities underground. 
uh, maybe that's why it happened in the past and they knew they had to seek shelter underground yeah. under the rock. Montreal, Montreal and Toronto's underground because it gets too cold. Oh, yeah. But, uh, it does. For, for normal anything <laughs> to go outside. <laughs> I have been in Toronto in the coldest part of winter and it is something. I'm telling you, it's too cold. Yeah, yeah, it's the it's the lake lake effect. Uh, all the wind oh, coming off Lake Ontario. No, it doesn't. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> uh, speaking of history, I have a clip that um, you might enjoy. Now, I've been watching this channel on YouTube, and um, I even sent you. Uh, it was a link to a video on on No Agenda Social some while ago. Uh, that was from uh, what is the name of this Periscope film where they. They take old stock footage, uh, actual film, and digitize it. Yeah, I, I think I looked at that. I remember the name Periscope. Yeah. Uh, so they have this, there's this one from the 60s about uh, Omosius or Amosis uh, Oil Company in Libya. And they're talking about the discovery of oil in Libya. I didn't clip any of that. I clipped uh, this little, uh, it's 55 seconds, of just this guy giving a brief kind of history of Libya and he says something that I was unaware of and I don't even know if it's correct uh, and I'd like to hear uh, hear what you think about it so I'll just let it play here more than 2500 years ago Phoenicians from Sidon and Tyre established themselves along the coast and Greeks came too until the fourth decade of the 20th century, one part or another was successively controlled by Carthaginians, Egyptians, Romans, Vandals, Byzantines, Arabs, Normans, Spaniards, Turks, and finally Italians. But of all the ancient colonizers, the Romans left the most enduring and impressive monuments. Only one conspicuous Roman structure still stands, a triumphal arch erected in the year 163 AD in honor of a distinguished Libyan of the day, Marcus Aurelius. Was Marcus Aurelius a Libyan? Uh, I don't know that he was, but I don't know that he wasn't. Let me take a look. Well, I looked, I looked on, on Wikipedia, and of course it, it says he was born in Rome. Uh... Huh. Maybe it's bullshit then. <laughs> Maybe it is. But why would they why would they put that in a in a film in the sixties for employees of their own company? Why would they put it in a film? Because maybe they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> is there anything new that's changed? No. No, you got you got a point there. The Arch of Marcus Aurelius is a roaming triumphant arch in the city of Oi O E A, modern Tripoli where Oia? it's found. I think there's just a, the the the, tr the arch is just named for him, not because he was a Libyan. Yeah, it was. They built it because uh, him and his adoptive brother uh, conquered the place and uh, yeah. built an arch there. Yeah, that's what you do. Yeah, you put up something saying, "Look how great I am," and then, but to say uh, a distinguished Libyan himself, Marcus Aurelius, that's, that's very strange. Yeah, I think. It, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. That I think it's bullshit. Especially if you already did the work and couldn't find any evidence of this. I did a, a minimal amount a of searching. Name. But no, yeah, that is definitely <laughs> not a... And the, uh, the most common suggestion that would come up, it was 
is Marcus Aurelius black? But I couldn't find an answer to that either. Well, I'm guessing he wasn't. I'm guessing he wasn't. And you, and you can't tell with the with the statues, the busts that they made. Oh well, yeah, they were made uh, centuries after he died, anyway. Yeah, well, I think That's, it's that that comes from the fact that his first name is Marcus, which is a lot of free safeties in the NFL are black, and their name Marcus. Uh, yes, in oh, the yeah. day, in the eighties. Oh yeah, yeah. I went to school with a with a few Marcuses, and they all played football. There you go. And track. You want your kid to be you want your kid to be a football player named Marcus. I had two relatives with the their middle name was Aurelius, uh, my grandfather, and then my great however many times grandfather that served in the Civil War. Uh, his name was Herman Aurelius. Hmm. Yes, none. that's an interesting name, Aurelius. Yeah, he fought on the side from? of the North. Oh, so where is the so where does this show, what do we usually talk about in the show since we're already 40 uh, minutes in stuff like that? We could uh, we could listen to a voicemail because we got a few of them and who knows what the hell they're going to say. I don't listen to them ahead of time. That's oh, that's fun. So you're playing yeah. Russian roulette with the voicemails. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. yeah. Who knows uh, what they what they could say? Uh, <laughs> just like the boostagram that came up where. Uh, Booberry says, whoa, it's JCD, which is short for champion. And then he sent in an MP3. I'm not even sure what this is. Cold listen, I guess. Far out, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. Thanks. Thanks, Booberry. Thanks, Booberry. <laughs> That's far out. Let's hey, listen. man, far out. Let's listen to one of these voicemails. We got these here. Joe Biden said come, and most of them come with a phone number. 430-201-4841. And Carolyn always says, hit me with a voicemail, so. Yeah, hit me with a voicemail. Call me if you want to live. I'm on speed dial, too. Hello, John C. Dvorak. Big fan. Okay. The hog story. John Fletcher. Big fan. Oh, yeah? Spencer. I named my firstborn son John. Big fan of John's. Carolyn, hi, I love you. Oh, hi, I love you. I'm sorry I annoyed you. Please unblock me. That was just social. Thank you. Have a great night. Oh, you blocked some poor guy? I think he was uh, talking to you, John. No, he directed the last comments. I, I followed this chronologically. He talked about me. <laughs> they talked about you. They talked about Carolyn. They said, then he talked about being blocked. Is that had to be Carolyn that blocked him? Oh yeah, <laughs> Carolyn. I can't believe you would. <laughs> oh, I just you know, that's what happens. The blocking people. Oh, there goes a school bus. Nice. <laughs> Driving past the window. Well, thank you, caller. Um, thank you, caller. Sir Spencer, I think Wolf of Kansas City. Yeah, from bowl after bowl. Uh, if I haven't... Oh, the bowl after bowl guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> him and his lovely well, wife I don't remember came to blocking Lorian. him, so that's that. Well, if I, if I didn't block you, Spencer, I'll be sure to block you. <laughs> anyway. I do a lot of blocking, that's for sure. I like Otherwise, doing the muting. That way nobody knows they're blocked. I like them. I've been doing a lot of muting recently and you put a date on it and you can unmute them because sometimes it just gets these people get on a jag. Yuck, 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 yeah. yuck, yuck, yeah. About something yeah. or other. And so it's like, it's of no interest. Or, or it's the memes and the, and the screenshots of like a Twitter or something and there's just no like context and or links. Like, did this actually 
was this actually tweeted? Was this an actual article or or that that type of thing? And then no, there's a lot of that. I do that too, though. Um, random. I put random. Yours are at least funny. A lot of them are. Uh, yeah, it seems you, you like they're just copied collection. from uh, Facebook or something. Uh, yeah, you know, no. uh, so that's funny. They're no good. We did have a question oh, yeah. uh, for voicemail callers, which was um, if there's anything you have that's not connected to the internet, but you want connected to the internet, what would it be? Because you know, there's a bunch of dumb shit connected to the internet, but is there anything useful you could think of that should be that isn't? Your electric razor? I don't know. I personally don't. Traffic signals. <laughs> oh, yeah, traffic signals. Yeah. <laughs> I come up to a traffic signal. I'm up to a traffic signal like that happened the other day. I go yeah. stop like a good boy. I stop there. There's nobody coming or going any which way. I'm the only one at the intersection and I'm yeah. waiting over one minute for it to change. What? What's what, why? Doesn't it know there's nobody else around? Yeah. No. Yeah. I think they do that shit on purpose because they, you know, it's called a traffic control device. So I think mm -hmm. the way they see it is it's, it's not useful if it just lets traffic through the intersection. Even if nobody's around, it's got to stop it so it How can have a use. How about this for an idea? There's cameras everywhere. You've seen these cameras. Yes. There's a control center. There's a guy looking at the cameras. He's seen there's nobody around. He says, hey, here comes some schmuck up the road. Yeah. Okay. I, okay. Ready? Hey, Bill, watch this. Okay, a yellow red. Stop yeah. him. Guy stops. Okay, let's see what he's going to do. Let's sit make him sit there for a minute. Okay, let's go green, yellow, red. Yeah. Ah, he didn't get off. Ah, he wasn't paying attention. Oh, the best one is when they do that, and then you're sitting there, and I'm looking uh, at the other traffic lights in the intersection. I see it's green for nobody. It's red for me, and I'm the only one there. And then the ones that are green for no one will turn red and then mine's still red. So that means the, the side opposite of me has the green light and yeah, obviously. I'm going, yeah. I'm going, what the hell? I'll just go because I don't, I don't need a machine oh, to tell me when it's safe. Of times. Yeah. <laughs> just go, you know, I'll just go. Yeah. I I'll, thought that thing I, I've always, I've gone through a lot of lights because there's nobody around. I just go. Yeah. And then I was wondering what happens if a cop catches you, you know, which is likelihood is low because there's obviously nobody on the road around there. Why would a cop be there unless he's doing paperwork? And if he's doing paperwork, he's got his head down. Mm -hmm. So if he does, what would you say? Well, I, I've had this happen before officer, that traffic light is broken. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. I, I usually just tell him the truth. I've been stopped a couple of times and been let go. Uh, just from being honest with the cop and saying, hey, I was sitting there. It was green for no one. I looked. I double looked. I made sure it was clear and I went. Uh, he's like, all right, well, you know, as long as you're making sure that it's safe to go. It's like, yeah, dude, like me and you both took the same driving school. <laughs> Often here, uh, what, what will happen is, is uh, the pedestrian lights will be broken. So you'll have the, the hand stopping just... And, you know, it's clearly a red light, so I could cross the street and not get not get hit because uh, it's just it's a red light. Uh, but, you know, if you're if you're you know following the rules and you're just sit, standing there waiting for uh, waiting for your uh, you can walk across the street light. Um, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, I, I find those are those cycle a lot fewer times like you you're just standing there waiting 
So I'll just like go sometimes if I know it's a broken one. I'll just walk. And in the advanced screens as well, sometimes you know, they don't like cycle them enough. Like, and then you just, you get this not, you don't get a protected left hand, uh, left hand green light in, in, in some, in some intersections. Oh yeah. Hey, so so John, hey John, uh, did you, uh, did you do the uh, hog story with Carolyn and, uh, Fletcher? Did you do that? What, what did you think? What'd you talk about? Traffic signals. <laughs> traffic signals. Talk about traffic lights. A bunch of traffic Screw signals and uh, some you some kooky shit about the magnetic around. field. <laughs> Maybe it's the weakening magnetic field that's fucking with the traffic lights. <laughs> no, this is good as any reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about this? I uh, I do uh, have some NPR clips, and uh, it's from a show called Shortwave. And uh, never. By the way, I I record lengthy NPR uh, broadcast. I've never heard of this show. It must not play around here or, or on the on the uh, network page. Oh, that's interesting. I've never heard of it. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I'll, about, the on, about the only NPR thing we get is a, a, a Amy Goodman up here and, and there's, a, there's, a in, there's an independent radio from University of Toronto uh, that will broadcast it and, and I think it's like at 10 a.m. they'll play Amy Goodman. Oh well, she's PBS. She's, already here then. Um, she's oh, not NPR. It? Yeah. Oh, she's not NPR. Oh, no, okay. She's an independent. She's uh, Qatar oh. is the one who pays the bill there, really. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. I listened to a, a stream from WBUR Boston, uh, and so that's yeah. that's where I heard shortwave. Okay. The the local NPR station out of Shreveport, Louisiana, has uh, some equally terrible stuff on there. But here they're talking about spicy food. And a thing that irks me the most is eating behind a microphone, eating on air. <laughs> and so naturally, yeah, I've, been, I've been caught doing that, unfortunately. But when well, sometimes you just have a lozenge, and it's different. Oh, the lozenge! I have to if I do if I have the lozenge, I need the lozenge because I will lose my voice. Mm. I mean, I don't lose my voice, but it starts to. Uh, I'd have to. I'd have to clear my throat too often. You don't lose it. It doesn't get caught in the couch cushions or anything. Not that I know of. <laughs> but yeah, let me play this. This is their intro, and she's uh, introducing her guest, Ruth Tam, who I don't know what she does. I guess she uh, she's a researcher. Or no, she's a food reporter. What a great job. But uh, yeah, spicy food. My dinner guest um, is so Ruth Tam, a DC-based food journalist and co-host of Dish City, a podcast looking at city change through the region's iconic dishes and cuisines. Mm -hmm. Ruth grew up eating Cantonese food in the Chicago area, but it wasn't all that spicy. She really got into spicy food when she moved to the district, though she's not the type to smother hot sauce on a dish just because. Eating spicy food doesn't have to be like a competition, but so often I feel like spiciness gets used as like shorthand for how like tough you are and also like how culturally <laughs> authentic something is. And I think that that's like so off base. Okay, wait, let me pause it. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoy spicy food and I've never been like, oh, you don't, my food's spicier than yours. Um, Therefore, I'm more macho than you are. Yeah, I think yeah. so. And yeah. let me give you my favorite example of this, because I, I can really consume spicy food, although I have my limits. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to bite into a ghost pepper, for example, like some people say. No, that's insane. Yeah, now, that's uh, just outrageous. I'm in Brazil at, mm -hmm. at a 
one of Churrascaria is one of the um, beef places where they serve. And in Brazil, and they have these things around the United States, but they're, you know, they have a sword with a bunch of meat pieces on it. And you oh, yeah. Ch- chunk a piece off for you. And you, you have a code for how much you have to get pay. And I'm there. I mean, this, not the name drop, but I'm in Rio uh, mm-hmm. on the, uh, in some Churrascaria that's right on the beach. And so this guy said, you know, I'm big shot. I write for a big publisher down there and I this guy's like a he thinks I'm a, a gringo from, you know, America. I didn't know anything. He, and so oh, they had yeah. they, all, they always have these little but you know, little most Californians can eat a lot of spice. They unknowns to most people. But they they always have this hot sauces, various hot oils, hot sauces, hot peppers in the um in these restaurants and you use it on the beef, on the beef. This is missing from most of these type of operations in the United States. I might mention, uh, they don't even have Tabasco in half of them. So there's this hot, uh, jar of these hot peppers. And, uh, this guy says, do you ever have these hot peppers? I said, yeah, I knew which pepper it was. And it was a little hot, it was a hot pepper. And I said, yeah, they're, they're good. He says, can you eat, can you eat a whole one? I said, yeah, I can eat a, yeah, there we go. And this is the macho thing. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> kind of like it's a bar bet sort of deal. It's a totally bar bet thing. Oh, and I've yeah. run into this before, I, in bars, actually. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I can eat a whole one. I said, can you? He says, yeah, let's, let's eat one. And so he takes one. Yeah. And I take one, and I chew mine up and swallow it. And uh, he... Uh, Looks like he chooses up and swallows it, and uh, it was not that hot. It was, you know, it was a hot pepper. I bet worse. And I said, "Want another one?" He says, "No, no it's okay." So, and, and I just to be the hot shot, I have another one. Ch- chomping. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, okay, we're starting to talk about something else, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, this guy turns beet red and starts sweating profusely. <laughs> just like he's just, it's just like soaked. And I said, oh. and he's and he's coughing. <coughs> and I said, what's going on? What happened? And he said, and he finally catches his breath and he admits to me, he says, I never ate the first chili. He says, <gasps> I tucked it away in my, uh, you know, my cheek. But he says, after you ate two of them like that, I figured what, they can't be hot. And so I <laughs> ate it. He's <laughs> uh, storing it in his cheek like a chipmunk. <laughs> trying to be a magician so, with a sleight of mouth skills. Yeah, whatever. So the guy was uh, was a wreck, and I, I there you go. Now that was a macho macho mm-hmm. thing, and that was I won. Well, there yeah. and everybody at yeah. the table knew it. <laughs> so the girl is kind of right that does happen, but so you know, it's it's like a bar bit. You're right; it's yeah. exactly like a bar bit because a lot of bars uh, will have just a big giant thing of jalapenos. You know, you can start start chewing, eat them, just down them. But she also said something about how culturally culturally correct the dishes by how spicy it is some of these dishes like uh chinese food or cantonese whatever she was referring to will use chili peppers that came from south america so that's not really that's cultural appropriation if we want to get uh down to it and and be with them well, in their, korean, uh, korean food uh, you could say that about in korean food they have bred their own peppers the thais have the thailands who have very hot they had the Thai chili, oh, uh, yeah. especially yeah. if you get, there's a farmer's market here where I get my Thai chilies. By the way, Thai chilies and some of these other peppers, I think KNs are good for this too, but Thai chilies in particular 
uh, if you find a vendor that has them, they sells them, you know, you can get a bag of them for a dollar or two. They freeze beautifully. Mm. They go now, right into or do you get them fresh or do are they yeah, are they fresh. dried out? Fresh. No, no, oh, no. Okay. You get them fresh. You get them super fresh or have somebody ship you some. You get okay. them super fresh and you can use them, you know, fresh. They're delicious, uh, although extremely hot. You have to, like I would take one Thai chili and put a slice into it and then throw it into a pot of spaghetti sauce. And that one chili just leaching out of what's there and then throw the chili away is mm-hmm. enough to heat that sauce up like no tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Pepper Ooh, flakes, yeah. anything else, nothing. You don't get any heat. This, these things are hot. But what's cool about them is you can freeze them. Oh, that is So there's cool. a, uh, there's a, a Hmong vendor of, uh, which is that uh, ethnic group out of Southeast Asia, a Hmong vendor in El Cerrito at the farmer's market on Sundays. They have they grow Thai chilies and they, <laughs> they started, I didn't notice this until they did this. Some woman came, was this hot, you know, and well, it turns out they actually have two, they have two breeds of these things that they sell. And one is unbelievably hot and definitely not a pepper I'd put in my mouth. And then the other ones are just plain hot Thai chilies. And so you could get them and you just freeze, just get the super hot ones because they're good for seasoning things, but not eating. Throw them in the freezer. So this woman was just buying chilies randomly and she grabbed one of these bags of the super hot ones. They weren't identified. They had to tell you. And everyone just went nuts behind there, stopping her from uh, buying these things because you have, if you don't have, if you can't go to these vendors and at least experience, talk to talk about hot chilies mm-hmm. they won't let you buy them they're just because they're slightly dangerous these peppers and um oh yeah I'm, I'm when i when i order uh spicy uh spicy anything like i'll go to a mexican restaurant or i remember being in la and buying uh, getting a, a burrito and i wanted hot sauce and the guy was trying it's talking me down from <laughs> from ordering <laughs> with hot sauce i'm like what do you mean i could absolutely take it <laughs> well when uh a couple of years ago uh spencer and uh lorian uh the the people from bowl after bowl they came down to visit me they hung out for the weekend and spencer brought me three or four of these carolina reaper peppers oh god and uh <laughs> i cooked uh i cooked us some food uh just something simple i just threw uh some steaks i uh, cut them up uh, with um potatoes and onions and garlic and uh who knows what else i forget i just threw it all in an aluminum foil pouch and threw that on the coals of a fire outside that we were having and um i was you had eating- a pepper in there you said well, no, I had the peppers on my own. Uh, I, I think I put bell peppers in the package because I, I wasn't uh, sure if they wanted spicy food or not. And uh, he brought those peppers for me, so he didn't want them. He already had some of them and uh, knew how hot they were. And uh, naturally, being uh, from bowl after bowl, we shared a couple of joints together. It was like the intense heat from that pepper. I often hear people saying how it makes them feel kind of drunk, a little loopy because uh, of its effects on your mm-hmm. brains. It, it really, um, it made the stone from, from smoking the joint with them even more intense. It, it felt like I got even higher because of the pepper. Um, yeah, there may be some connection there. Maybe that's why these peppers are so popular. It could be. Uh, mm-hmm. It could be. 
Uh, well, I know a couple of things. Like if you cook these, a lot of these peppers and it, it gets in the, in, the, in the oxygen, in the atmosphere, uh, it could be very harsh. Uh, that's what they make pepper spray and stuff out of is that capsaicin yeah, yeah. from those seeds. And, oh, so uh, you yeah. need like goggles. <laughs> yeah, Probably. I've had a situation where I've ground up some pepper. When I make, uh, sometimes when I make uh, 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 salsa verde, uh, and I, you, you generally use a jalapeno or maybe even serranos, but just the one or two peppers that are that goes into that sauce, which is easy to make. But if it's a fresh sauce, you blend it, and just the, the gas from the blender. Just a little, the vapor that comes off of there, just so minor. You get a whiff of that and you should be coughing for a oh, half hour. Oh, it's hour. a skin irritant, too. You get it on your skin, it'll uh, irritate your skin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when you get it on your skin, it's hard to get off. You can try baking soda. You can try uh, baking soda is the only thing I can think of that's not too caustic. Well, I... Uh, it helps a little bit. I think I have a related clip. Let me, uh, let me go back to these. Where they were... Uh, again, on shortwave, uh, she talks about uh, curing the uh, the heat from it. And, oh man, where is it? I hate how this thing just ran. Oh, here it is. All right. Because milk contains casein, a molecule that surrounds the capsaicin and washes it away. So it won't bind to as many receptors and wreck as much havoc on your dignity. So maybe uh, putting milk on it will help. Maybe. I've never tried that. I know uh, it. I know it does work. It does drinking work if, milk. You, if somebody gets hot pepper and they they can't take it anymore, you take a glass of milk and it pretty much wipes it out. Or uh, I always thought of from the butterfat in the milk, not the casse, the, the, the that chemical uh, which is used to make paint. Mm. Uh, maybe hmm. interesting. Uh, when I was a kid, I would spend the summers with my aunt and uncle in in South Texas, way down by the border. Uh, just north of Brownsville, and they have these peppers that grow on bushes called chili pekins, which are small little round chili peppers about the size of your pinky nail, and yeah. they are insanely hot. And yeah, those uh, are the pe- those peppers are grown in Brazil. Okay, so Brazil has a and those peppers have a a slight um, habanero flavor. There's mm-hmm. the two types of peppers that you have in habit to me in terms of taste. There's habanero styled and non and non-habanero style. And then there's a the bland, you know, regular bell pepper that doesn't mean anything. But if you get into the habanero taste, which is a smoky taste, that's quite delicious. You discover, uh, we're trying to grow these out here too. Uh, the family is, uh, what's called a, a, a beak pepper. And these mm. beak peppers, which can vary in heat from super mild to very hot. They, they, for some unknown reason, they've had them at Whole Foods in that rack of olives and peppers and stuff that they sell. Now they do it. They, ever since COVID, they don't have the rack anymore. Uh, or the, the, the salad. It's a bar. It's like a pepper olive bar. Uh, but these beak peppers, uh, especially the ones that are just slightly hot or even mild, they have all the characteristics of a habanero in that smoky, beautiful, smoky flavor with no heat. And it's just a fabulous product. And I guess it's something that's very difficult to grow up here, but they, they grow in Brazil, uh, and you can buy the seeds in Brazil. You have some people ship you some seeds. Uh, it's a terrific product. It's a, it's a round pepper, and it's mm-hmm. got a beak, a little hmm. beak at the bottom. 
That those is, are interesting uh, shapes. Of, of I've never seen a, sh- a pepper looking like that. that you just cool. looked it up. Yeah, I was just looking it up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Cool. If you ever see that pepper, yeah, uh, they do. Have, they have them jarred sometimes in um, some exotic food stores. You might find them. Uh, they tend to be milder ones in the jar, I think. But they're absolutely delicious. It's hard to <laughs> imagine how like, tasty they're. They're so tasty. They almost look like radishes. Some well, of the round no, ones with the little no. beak. They actually look more like a tomato. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they do the look like a tomato. Does. What I learned yeah. as a kid was uh, growing peppers in a garden. If you have spicy peppers like jalapenos, uh, you don't want to grow them next to mild peppers because they will turn all your mild peppers spicy. Uh, probably through f- when they uh, when they uh, fertilize, uh, cross pollinate. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it yeah. could be. Makes sense. We learned that with the banana peppers one year. Uh, we thought we had mild ones, and uh, they were as hot as the jalapenos. Uh, wow. and what you said about uh, the habaneros is true with their distinctive flavor. Uh, Darren O'Neill, several months ago now, had sent me a package of. Uh, 10 different bottles of hot sauce ranging uh, from not spicy at all to insanely spicy. Some of these uh, Indian ghost peppers, like from India. Um, And uh, he was just nice and uh, sent them to me because I make jingles for his uh, podcast and whatnot. And uh, just a troll. Very uh, amusingly. Was there a good one in there? Was it tasty and hot? Yeah, there's this one. uh, Melinda's uh, was the brand. And it had uh, a little indicator at the bottom. That w- it had five little uh, flames, and uh, all five were uh, highlighted. So it was the most hot one they they sold, and they were not kidding. And that was the one with this uh, some type of uh, ghost pepper uh, in India. I forget the name because it's a long Indian name. But it had the right amount of heat. It was a uh, one of those that you, the flavor hits you at first. So it's a nice. Uh, a little on the sweet side, uh, but then the heat just keeps building and building and building. Uh, where the, about the only thing that worked was eating a banana and drinking milk, and uh, and then they had some other uh, not so hot ones that were just habanero, pretty much just a habanero puree with uh, probably vinegar and whatnot. Yeah. Well, if you ever make your own, I've made my own habanero sauce, and uh, it is susceptible to oxidation. Hmm. Uh, to I think to an extreme. So you can make, uh, in other words, you can make, find some good habaneros that are extremely hot. And then you make a, you can use any number of recipes, a typical sauce recipe with the vinegar and garlic and salt and whatever. But you put it in the refrigerator for about two or three days. It, the heat goes down by a, probably a quarter every day. It almost, it's got a half life. Oh. And it gets down to the point where it's, you could spoon it out and actually eat a spoon of it. And it's absolutely delicious, but the heat is like, and the heat is pushed way down over time. And I think it's a function. It's got to be a function of oxidation. Oh yeah, well that that would make sense. Like yeah, uh, you saying spoon it out reminded me. Uh, have you ever heard of this show Hot Ones? It's on YouTube. Yeah, I've seen the show. Okay, yeah. Rachel Ray was on there, and she, oh, that should have been funny. Oh man, no, that it was really great. Was. She uh, <laughs> she had a show to do after doing hot ones, so she didn't want to eat. So instead, she just took tablespoonfuls of the hot sauce and downed it. Like Did she a, go all the way to the end? Yeah. Yeah. She made yeah. it past the bomb and, and all those at the end. It was insane. I've never seen anybody next to Coolio 
that was uh, that cool uh, eating. Well, actually, spicy you food. didn't see the Kristen Bell one then. Oh yeah, oh, no, I, I did. Yeah, yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, that one was good too. <laughs> she she uh, showed up Aston Kutcher, big time. Oh yeah, well, she, she could did. apparently ingest anything. Um, but she also mentioned I don't remember the name of this. I have, I did buy some. She mentioned some hot chili oil from Africa. Arabelle. It's got some funny name. And as soon as she mentioned it, she's oh yeah, we got we use you know, this is what you use, and she's just she's plugging different kinds of hot products. And it's just, it was a very interesting, uh very interesting hot oil, I'd have to say, uh that I've never heard of. There's a lot of stuff out there that uh, When I was in high school, uh, a friend of mine was really into spicy food and so was his parents. <clears throat> they had this this vial it had an eyedropper and it was inside another bottle like a medicine bottle where you had to push down and turn it to open it and it was the pure capsaicin oil from the the seeds and you the instruction said to put a single drop in a five gallon thing of chili or whatever to really spice it up we would be idiots and put a drop or two on uh, crackers or chips or something like that and that that is the uh, the hottest thing i've ever had and we'll never well, do that you again. Got, you're done. You don't have to You even take, you, you can take the challenge from the macho guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I could totally be macho and win bar bets. Yeah. For oh, sure. Oh, this is a Akabanga uh, chili yeah, oil? Yeah, Akabanga. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. That oh, okay. Okay. It's from Rwanda and it's a, and it comes in with an eyedropper and you just drop it. Well, this drop this it. was a, just a shaker. It has a shaker. I guess it could come with an eyedropper. Yeah, that is a, uh, yeah, get it, order some and try it. Well, I, w- I went to uh, the Hot Ones uh, page and ordered this hot sauce that was mustard-based from there. It's called Pirate's Lantern. And um, that was really good. I, I forget what kind of peppers they had put in there, but it was just yeah, the right. Mustard, they use mustard base in South Carolina, and they use mustard base in Jamaica, I think, or one of the Barbados, one of those. Carib- the Caribbean islands use mustard base to make a uh, to make their one of their hot sauces. That has to be what where you got where that came from. Probably it it was so yeah. good. It I, I it, went through that bottle base, so fast. Mustard base uh, barbecue sauce which is again south carolina and mustard based uh, hot sauces that i've had are all delicious it was i highly recommend it it's uh and it's not that expensive either and i had yeah. another one that had a lot of blueberries and fruit in it uh, but it also had ghost peppers and whatnot i think it was a a thanksgiving day special or something sound good it was actually mm-hmm. the best thing i had it on was vanilla ice cream oh yeah sure it's really good. Sense. It's a it's a weird uh, mixture of uh, textures and flavors, but it Should worked. Have a warning before the show. Going to gross you out by talking about hot sauce on ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you want to hear like hot sauce on my ice cream? Well, shit, that's how we do it down here in Texas, sir. You know that's how we do it. No beans in the chili and hot sauce on the ice cream. Now, would you like to hear these people eat on air? They're eating their spicy food, and uh, and of course, would discussing. I like it. to know, but I will. <laughs> oh, it's gross! It's so yeah, gross. Yeah, let's let's hear it. I want to hear these people. Are they going to gag? They might. Uh, actually, yes. Okay. <laughs> so we up the ante, breaking open that fish fillet with silk tofu, floating in a bath of electric red chili oil. 
it's actually spicy. <laughs> that was so <laughs> fast. Hold on. Did you take a bite? No, my chopsticks were dipped in the sauce. Uh-huh. And I felt an actual burning sensation. Okay, in my defense, spice is like this sometimes, right? A dish that sets one right. person's tongue aflame is another person's no big deal. Ruth and I agreed this wasn't the spiciest food we'd ever eaten in D.C. and that our reactions to a truly (laughs) hot dish induces a feeling unlike any other. Like your lips get tingly. They maybe swell. Like your Uh mouth is starting to like heat up and you maybe start crying. Your face gets red and all of a sudden you're like sobbing and like dry heaving over a table and like it legitimately is like an allergic reaction and it's one that people seek out. Uh, <laughs> oh, nobody's, wow. nobody is seeking out dry heaving. <laughs> no, they are not. <laughs> Girl, this is hot. I've been dry heaved all week. I'm seeking it out. Give me some uh, epicac or whatever that stuff is called. <laughs> I, haven't been dry, I haven't dry heaved in a week. I want to want to do it again. Jeez. You just need some spicy food. Yeah, I guess so. That's the kind of content you get on uh, shortwave on NPR. Now, and yeah. what kind of uh, like chopsticks were these? Were these? I wonder if they're like those absorbent disposed- chopsticks. I guess. <laughs> I suppose wood. so. Like those wood ones. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think a metal or plastic ones would perfor like the spice would perforate like that. No, no, probably not. No. And I guess she's. <laughs> I think permeates the word you were looking for. Yes, permeate. <laughs> yes, thank you. And she, uh, she apparently is in the habit of just inhaling before she uh, eats anything. <laughs> well, you know, that's actually, it, uh, the show is not hardly educational. Uh, it's just a, it's a, it sounds more like a podcast than it does an NPR show, to be honest about it. They had um, some bits where they were talking with uh, a couple of researchers named, uh, a lady named Nadia Burns. Get it? <laughs> and they even make a joke about her name. Um, and talking about uh, its effects on the brain Um, let's see this one might be a bit long I'll stop it your brain doesn't actually know the difference between eating capsaicin and touching something hot and that's why we have the same physiological response Julie is a senior scientist at the Exploratorium a museum of science art and perception in San Francisco And she says it's the receptors in our bodies that are responsible for our ability to sense spice. I mean, like with anything else, I would guess it's our our receptors that help us receive input from the outside world. Yeah. So they get they're kind of redundant there. This place uh, that what did she say it did? It was something in perception. I thought that was interesting. Science, art and perception in science, art and perception. Have you ever been to that place? What, the Exploratorium? Yeah. You know, it's very famous. They used to be out uh, by the Palace of Fine Arts, that old uh, turn-of-the-century uh, World's Fair site, and then they moved to Pier something or other near the water. Yes, they ha- it is a very entertaining, especially for kids, very entertaining kind of goofball science museum. And they have a bunch of things there that are always kind of fascinating. And that's the place where I... They have this one exhibit, which I still totally fascinated with. And every once in a while, I catch myself in a situation where I know the phenomenon uh, is, is, this, is, is the same as this exhibit. And the exhibit is a series of 
I think they're aluminum or copper, but they're just coils. They're coils, and it's wrapped up in like a, like a spring, and they're tight, tightly set. And every other coil, one coil is warm, and one coil is cold, like really cold. And the other one is warm. It's not even hot. It's not hot. It's warm and cold, and they're all like that. And you put your hand on it, and you will think that you've touched a, a million degrees. It's it just you your whole system throws your hand right off that thing as fast as it can. It gives you the sense of something is boiling, uh, red hot, and there's nothing on there that's hot. No, I've heard of that uh, sensation, and I mean oh, I don't know what causes it, but. Uh... Nobody, I don't th- think they explain it either. But the body just, it's, it's something confuses the, the, the cell, your uh, nervous system. It's confusing because there's nothing that exists in nature that is this. And it just, and it doesn't take a chance. <laughs> Why take a chance? <laughs> I'm taking, and you can't put your hand on it. I, you know, I don't know. I suppose if you had nothing but unbelievable willpower and you kind of hypnotize yourself, you could maybe hold your hand on it for more than a millisecond. That's all it really takes. One millisecond and you're off. So occasionally uh, I've noticed this phenomenon around the kitchen. Uh, there'll be something that's warm and cold and there's, you know, it's, it's basically warm and cold. The, the mixture of the two, if it hits your skin at the exact same time in a certain way, you swear it's, it's red hot, red hot. And so every once in a while, this happens about uh, maybe once a couple times a year, I've noticed it, where I'm picking something up, like I'll try to pick up a glass and then maybe the back of my finger that's holding the glass will be touching something that's, the glass has got cold liquid in the back as I touch a warm cup of mm. something, the glasses. And I will have that, that effect will take place and say, oh, and I thought I burned myself and I realized there's nothing there that was hot. It was, it was something that was very cold and something that was just room temperature, a little warm. It's fascinating. But they have other things like that at this crazy place. They have uh, Polaroids. Uh, pol- I, I haven't been to the new – since they moved it, since they wouldn't let you in without COVID uh, shots. Oh, yeah. But they, had, they have these things, like these yellow filters you can hold up and look at certain kinds of things that are uh, only – duotone there's two colors there and you're looking through yellow and you can see full color spectrum this was something land of the land camera polaroid guy uh discovered oh yeah and it, they, there's exhibits that show you how this works and uh, they also have a uh, another one that fascinated me was there's this it's like a crankshaft with with a bunch of disconnected rods and the crankshafts going in, the rods are flying every which way. And they, the comment in the exhibit says, there is no known mathematical model that has ever been determined to explain what you're seeing. <laughs> I don't know. If that, it just was kind of cute. But it's just, it's just so chaotic. They can't, it's just like this crazy thing. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's a good museum. Uh, there's this. Uh, the, the fact that there are a bunch of COVID nuts. Oh, well, it seems like a lot of people are. There's a channel on YouTube called uh, Technology Connections. And uh, he talks about all sorts of things. And he had uh, posted a video, oh, this is a few years ago now, uh, about a uh, an LCD slash CRT hybrid uh, video monitor from JVC, where the CRT portion 
is in black and white. And then there is this LCD filter that goes over the front that turns the image into color. Ah. Uh, and it's, it's crazy how, uh, how well the picture looks and it, it puts it all in the correct color. That's yeah. insane. No, there's a lot of these sorts of phenomenon that are, especially when it comes to your eyes, that are fascinating. Uh, but the Polaroid land guy, this uh, looking through the yellow lens and seeing full spectrum colors. Okay. Um, I used to, I wear yellow sunglasses sometimes. and uh, I do too yellow, at night. Yeah, at night they're great if you get mm-hmm. the right if you get the right coatings. But when I was, I used to be in uh, a cargo container inspector at Trailmobile when I was younger, as a during a, it was a summer job, and uh, as an inspector they required you to wear these. You had to get prescription yellow glasses, hmm. and so you you wear these because you because with prescription yellow glasses you could see defects and things. Uh, I mean, you would be seeing. If you had good vision, you just, you just had to wear the yellow glasses. But you could see that it does something to your vision and makes you more alert to flaws and things. And so you, so all inspectors had to wear these yellow glasses. And so you started wearing them all the time because you had a your prescription. They, you know, they're cool looking in some way. And uh, I got the yellow glasses. And it, it's actually... I, I, used to wear them all the time because you could you just give you a different view of things. And uh, ever since I got these sun, these sunglasses, yellow sunglasses, which are the ones you're supposed to wear at night, like you said, uh, I wear them every so often. And it's just like, this is interesting. It just really gives you a different perspective. And they do work at night. Yeah. I, um, for some reason, the older I get, the more sensitive I am uh, to bright light. And uh, the headlights really bother me. All these LED headlights with with jack holes, they have them where they don't they don't aim them correctly anyway when they put these aftermarket lights in, and then they're all too bright. These LEDs are just made to be insanely offensively yeah, a lot bright. Of them, a lot of them are, are set on a cycle, so they like thirty hertz or sixty hertz, and they they blink. There's just oh you know, yeah, there's those yeah. Those are the worst. They should ban those. They should have dimmer switches on uh, around here around these parts there's all these um signs for churches that are made of leds and i can understand having it at maximum brightness during the day but at nighttime put a dimmer switch on that thing and turn it down because you'll come over a hill and then there's a big sign for a church by a church yeah uh and somehow the uh the yellow tinted glasses help cut that to where um It doesn't make me, uh, it doesn't give me a headache because I used to drive uh, 18 wheelers cross country and I needed those yellow tinted glasses to keep my eyes on the road. And uh, some guys, they they swore by blue tinted glasses, but to me, that made everything too dark. Yeah, blue, yeah. Yeah, which. Uh, No, I'm a big uh, advocate of the yellow (laughs) yellow glasses, as crazy as it seems, but yeah. They're good during the day too. They're good around the house. I mean, I don't wear them. I'm not wearing them now, but right. uh, I'll put them oh, on okay. once in a while. Look oh, Carolyn's hey back. There. Her yeah. internet dropped and uh, she went away. It's about time uh, she came back. <laughs> it was all the talk about the yellow tinted glasses. Huh? That's what it was. <laughs> and if they're done right, they're really more than tinted. This is not yellow tinted. They have to have a. They should have a notch filter in there of some sort. Some kind of polarization on them. Well, it's not a polarization per se. It's probably a notch filter, I'm guessing. But 
Not sure. That's a good question because mm. I know there's about 10 different companies that make these things for night vision. And uh, I know what technology they're using. Could be just uh, uh, optical coating of some sort. I have a pair of safety glasses that I've had, man, since the late 90s. And they were old when I got them. They have to be from the early 80s because the, the style uh, of frames uh, just looks like that big you know, early eighties style. Um, but they're the best safety glasses. I guess like what you were saying when you had to wear them for inspection, it seems like, uh, I can see things in greater detail. And so I've just kept these safety glasses all the time. And tinted? Uh, yeah, they're yellow tinted. Oh, they're yellow. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're probably the same. It's like, a, I was wearing. it's not really yellow. I guess it would be called Amber. Um, Oh, no, these other ones are yellow, yellow. Oh, like bright yellow. Oh, okay. They're yellow. Yeah. These yeah, might have faded or gotten amber. darker over time. Maybe. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I enjoy well, them. What's the, what is the purpose? Like, why, why are they yellow um, as opposed to amber? What's the. Uh, oh, you missed the whole thing, didn't you? I missed the, I missed the whole thing because my internet went down. I guess I could start uh, another oh, you topic. Just, you'll have to just <laughs> listen to the show. You have to listen. To <laughs> go back. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll go ahead go, and go rewind back. the tape. Was, I think it's another example of what we're doing. We, we, what show what did you talk about on the show? <laughs> we had a pair of glasses that had a tint. And they were, uh, well, we got off the chili like talk. And, uh, I liked them. They were nice glasses and they work at night and they were cool. And people, I actually was were wearing these yellow glasses the other day. I went to an In N Out burger. Yeah. Pick up some In N Out burgers for, for us. And um, some there's a bunch of punk kids, you know, going to you know they they were doing they weren't playing mumbly peg or playing rolling dice there, but they they were up to no good playing nickels so on the street. Kids, these kids these kids go by, and one of them looks at me and says, "Hey, those yellow glasses are cool." <laughs> <laughs> you got some street cred. I thought oh, that was good. That was that my that made great. my day. Yeah, these kids are okay. <laughs> um, I I was I was gonna ask you, uh, John, about um, a stand-up comedy, and uh, are 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 you in? Are have you seen any new new uh, specials, or or are you are you into? Um, are there any new comic com- comedians that you're that you're into? I've looked at a lot of the new guys coming up. I can't remember any of their names for some reason. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because I'm getting old. It's like we're trying to remember bands. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. I don't know any bands. You like, you like the new music? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the band name, but I, I like them. So, uh, and these stand-up comics, there's nobody. The problem is, is that they don't get enough exposure on it because late night talk shows, they have music at the end. They don't, you know, they, they don't, used to have stand up. Com- uh, uh, Jimmy Fallon starting to bring comedians on. But in yeah. the olden days, you'd have uh, regular guys that come on over and over and over again on Carson, let's say, or any of the other guys mm-hmm. that competed with him. And uh, that's been gone by the wayside. And I'm not so I can't start naming names. I should keep track of them a little better. But oh, yeah. uh, I've watched a lot of guys that are funny. They, very unfortunate. You know, Joe Rogan, by the way, if he's good stand up. Oh, yeah. He is. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 I've, see, I've seen he him at a, a stand at a stadium. And then I saw him at uh, uh, the comedy store and um, the improv. So mm-hmm. like 
but seeing them yeah. in a small venue and a big venue, it's it's different yeah, for he, sure. He his structure, he has a moment in his structure of the overall stamp that he does around thirty to forty minutes in, where he goes on a tangent that it kind of takes away his pacing. It seems to me, at least the times I've seen him twice, I only seen him twice, and it reminds me of. Uh, Eliza Schlesinger, who's always I've always admired as a, as a comedian. Oh yeah, comic. yeah she's great. Not yes. a comedian. I can't use that word. So <laughs> she when she did, I think it was her second or third special. I, I don't know where those specials are anymore. I think they took them off. But she did one where she did this mermaid bit. Yeah. Was, she got, what the thing is, she got married and she's lost her humor. It's very funny. But she does this. <laughs> yeah. She did this mermaid bit that just fell apart, but it was and it was long. A lot of these, oh. you know, bits that are uh, Bill Burr's. I saw his latest stand-up. He's uh, he was doing. I'm watching it. He's got about a half an hour in, just uh, well, maybe longer. Mm-hmm. About the same thing around 30, 40 minute point. He goes off on a tangent about his, about some, it's maudlin. And it's just like, I, I am not watching this anymore. And yeah. I, just, I never went to the end of it because he yeah. just, he was, he was having a great time. He was very funny. And then he just, I don't know. And then there's a, who's this guy uh, that all the, everybody always hated as a comic because he wasn't funny. He used to do in the round. He had, if I can remember his name, because he went from terrible comic to tremendous uh, structural comedy that was just, I watched it just like was unbelievable. And, I, and now the name eludes me is from, because uh, I haven't seen him for a while. But no, I haven't really noticed too much late that I was blown away. Carolyn introduced me to the show on, uh, it's on YouTube. Uh, with a comedian, Tony Hinchcliffe, who uh, is a comedy writer and roaster. And uh, he has a show called Kill Tony where they people sign up, put their name in a bucket, and he draws it. And they come up and they do 60 seconds of just stand-up. And then uh, Tony and whoever his guest may be, sometimes Rogan's on there, uh, just whoever, uh, they'll interview the guy or gal uh, for however long after they do their stand-up set. And, uh, hey, nerds, it's Emily Kwong here. <laughs> hey, Emily. And so the, some of it, some of the comedians are really good. Some of them are absolutely terrible. But the interview part of it is uh, the funniest bit because Tony has this way of just getting information out of these people that is very embarrassing. And uh, they just go with it. And uh, it's, a, it's a great show for finding uh, new comedians or even old comedians. Huh. Yeah, Check it out. Where is it? It's on YouTube if you look for Kill Tony. Oh. Okay, Kill Tony. And they do it down in Austin. Um, which, yeah, there's, there's a lot of these uh, good comedians that are stuck on YouTube. They don't get a special. They don't. You know, never hear from them. They do well. And some of them, I, every once in a while, I'll run into some guy on YouTube that is just unbelievably good. Yeah. Um, and he's playing some small room someplace. The small rooms are hard to play because... Anyone does a lot of public speaking or has done it or even or does stand up or does anything. Uh, small rooms are hard because, you, you know, nobody wants to, you know, they'd rather be in a large, a large audience as people are, are feel more free to express themselves by laughing or clapping or doing whatever. And it seems uh, like uh, the different clubs have uh, a different type of audience on that Kill Tony show. Uh, they're in a new club now and I forget the name, but they were at another one previously. And uh, it seemed like the audience there was afraid to laugh at 
uh, jokes that were making fun of woke ideals and things like that. They would just be offended and go, oh, and grumble. Yeah, I would to- guess that the, the, the room where they're afraid was a small room. Yeah. Uh, and the room where they're not afraid. Hey, nerds, it's Emily room. Kwong here. Hey, Emily. Emily. Um, hey, Emily, you can leave now. She uh, she keeps interjecting. Oh, Andrew Schultz. He's another comedian that I've only seen him on YouTube, and I was listening to him talk. It must have been on Rogan, where he was saying he chose to release it on YouTube uh, because of uh, Netflix just dicking him around and wanting yeah. more control than he was willing to give over it. Hmm. And so, I mean, hey, if it works for him, it works. But uh, I don't think he's going to be, he's not going to have his name out there, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I kept up. There was a, uh, well, that show on NPR Fresh Air with Terry Gross. I went looking through their archives and uh, she had an interview in 1990 with George Carlin. That was interesting. Um, that one. Oh, I, that would be good. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm looking through the clips to see if there's anything uh, uh, that might be interesting to play. Um, you know, I, I've always liked him, too. He, he's always been one of those guys that just, I could just listen to him talk. He had a great voice, and so no matter what he was talking about. He had a, tre- I was into- a tremendous voice, very controlled. You have a great voice, by the way. I should mention that. Oh, I think Carolyn he knows that. Uh, I have no idea why you have a great voice. There's no reason for it. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I was just born this way. You know, I can't help. It's not, it doesn't have a trained sound. There's people that have great voices that also have a, there's a sound called a trained voice uh, that, you know, it's just, there are certain announcers that have the trained voice and they also have the big voice. And uh, it's, it's always like something you want to listen to. It just has this nice sound. It, it's uh, easy to just, I don't know how to explain it, but it's, it's, it's pleasant. When you and, say train, uh, do you mean uh, like um, like how they do in radio where I would be uh, talking like this and drop off the end of everything I say? Yeah, only trained. Okay. Yeah, like <laughs> right. that, but trained. But trained, no, see, I was different. I did work at a radio station when I was 19. I picked a little bit of it up then. But uh, I, I know guys who had trained voices. And uh, I mean, they actually worked on getting their voice making it practicing getting it deeper just just training it so oh. it's so they didn't have any flubs they didn't stammer uh they just worked and worked and worked on their voice so it's had a certain some it's, i don't think it's that much different than being a trained singer some people are natural singers but if they go to a of someone who knows you know operatic voice coach for example they can tell them no no you don't do it that way you do it this way and I don't know what that means because I've never been to a voice coach to tell me not to do this and to do that. But I suppose that there are little idiosyncratic things you could learn to improve your voice if you went to a voice coach. That makes sense. Uh, I did a lot of music in school. Else, like you're throwing the football wrong. I mean, the coach can tell you that, you know, if you, if you move your thumb here, you know, the ball will go better. I also took speech therapy when I was young, uh, second and third grade, so eight, nine years old. Why, you had a stutter? No, I uh, was mixing up my L's and my R's. And um, uh, L's and R's, that's interesting. Give me an example. I can't. It only comes out uh, if I get flustered. It comes out? Yeah, if I get excited and flustered and try to speak too fast, it'll, it'll come out. And I had a, a speech impediment, uh, not an impediment, but a... a whatever you want to call it. I would say root beer. Uh, oh. 
root beer and uh, Barbara Walters kind of a thing. Oh, right. I cured myself, curiously. My son also had had a stammer that he went to a voice coach for, and they cleared it up. And uh, it wasn't a stutter. It was more of a stammer, but he had, it was a problem, and he, we, we had that fixed. But I fixed my root beer problem uh, by one of this. I was a little kid, and there was a, I had a, there was a big, giant, big sink in the garage near the washing machines, and it had an echo, the sink, because of the design. I'm not sure what. But I could, I could talk into it and get a just like whatever the milliseconds needed to hear yourself uh, in real time. So hmm. I could just, just, I skipped, I said, whoop beer. And I, you'd hear it's like a little echo, very minor, but I just fixed it by d- myself. And I, and I know that they use that technique of uh, feedback uh, to fix certain kind of uh, kinds of uh, speech impediments. Yes. That's what they did uh, for me was we had uh, headphones. And yeah, we would uh, it, speak into the I little. I didn't have headphones. I just had this echo, echoey <laughs> sink base in this huge sink, and it it, it echoed. And I could ju- I same as the headphones. I just cured it by. Oh, that's that sounds better. I can okay. I don't. I won't say. I can hardly even say the wrong way. Root beer. It's hard for me to come up with it, but um, I'll have to actually think about it. Yeah, that's that's why I can't uh, give you an example of the L and the R yeah, thing. Yeah, it turns out that once you lose it, it's, it's like losing an accent, you know, or losing your ability to speak a foreign language because you haven't spoken it for 35 years and now you can barely remember it. So, and when, it's the same thing with computers, by the way. I would challenge hey, anyone to go find Emily it. Kwong here. Hey, Emily, go get yourself a copy of Windows 3.1 and see how long it takes you for you to get anything done. Oh, no shit. I, uh, I'm not into uh, uh, computers uh, as much as I used to be when I was a kid. My dad really was when I was younger. And so those are some of my early me- earliest memories are uh, messing around with MS-DOS mode and uh, uh, getting these games uh, to come up on the computer. Uh, weird little games like uh, Commander Keen. Which was a oh yeah, a, I remember Commander Keen and uh, Wolfenstein 3D was a, a uh, really yeah, well, fun. That's one. a big. That was advanced. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I I can go back to Hunt the Wumpus. It's oh, like yeah. nobody remembers that game. My biggest thing, my favorite thing, was the Intellivision. Was this a game system we had? Yeah, I remember that. That had uh, this cool baseball game on it. <laughs> um, yeah, really cool. Oh uh, yeah, well by today's standards, it's nothing. But I don't, I don't really, I'm not into games anymore. Uh, I'm not into uh, as much computer work as I, I probably should be considering everything I, I do on it and how do you have any any uh, um, experience with WordPress? Yeah I, I, I can use WordPress I, my blog is in WordPress I can I can I know how to use WordPress I know I know how to get most of the plugins to work uh, I, but that was some years ago and it's gone so far into the plug-in world and these guys that are specialists mm-hmm. as far as i'm concerned i don't know anything it's it's the phps that get me i've been struggling trying to get the value block in my rss feed but with wordpress it auto generates and it takes info from all these various php files to com- 
to uh, compile the the RSS feed. And so anytime I enter anything into uh, one of the PHP files that I think is the correct one, it'll work for maybe an hour or two until it refreshes oh, and back. recompiles everything and uh, erases everything I've done. Oh, welcome back, Carolyn. Oh, that stinks. Not that you're back, Carolyn, but the fact that he's having these issues. And this, is, this is no good. And I, I've, I've looked and read up and it said, oh, well, maybe you should try directly editing the, the Blueberry plugin, which is the podcasting plugin that sends out the RSS and, uh, and, and the podcast MP3 and all that. Talk to Adam about this. I have not. I have no, not talked to him. He's the, he's the, uh, he stayed up with everything, obviously. And he's got this 2.0 thing going on. And he, he, he's a, as far as I'm concerned, his RSS is as good as anybody's. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I just try and not to know, bother he'll him. He'll know what's wrong. He'll know exactly what's wrong. Cause it's what he does. I just know he's a busy guy. So I try not to, uh, he's not that busy. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, let me play these. I wanted, I sent these to you and I just wanted to hear, uh, what you thought about it. This is from 1990, uh, September 10th, 1990 of the dates. And, um, I want to see if you remember this. From National Public Radio News in Washington, I'm Corey Flintoff. Officials from many less developed nations express skepticism today at an offer of free oil from Iraqi President Saddam Hussein. An Iraqi spokesman made the offer today, saying that third world countries could have the oil free of charge, regardless of their stand on Iraq's invasion of Kuwait. Iraq maintained that the gift oil wouldn't violate international sanctions because it wouldn't involve buying or selling. Third world delegates at a United Nations conference in Paris said they regarded the effort, the offer as a propaganda ploy that would be impossible to make good on. Did he ever give away free oil or did he just say he was? I, this I do not remember. I don't recall him even offering to give away free oil, but it, does, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, it seemed just like a, like a marketing sort of deal. Like, yeah, that's a pretty funny idea. Yeah, I agree. And um, yeah, I... I I don't remember that. Of course, 1990, I would have been, I don't know, seven. So, uh, yeah, 1990, I would have been 14. So I probably could remember. It's a good age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, here's another one. Uh, this is, uh, about Kuwait, but I think their choice of words, uh, could have, if they didn't say Kuwait, you might go, are they talking about the USA? Are they talking about Canada? They could be talking about any place. Reports from Kuwait say the situation is getting worse. Supplies of fresh food are running out, and many of the essential services are no longer functioning properly. The BBC's Jack Thompson reports. Electricity supplies are patchy, and the sewerage system has virtually stopped working. That raises the possibility of a cholera outbreak. Indeed, disease and hunger seem to be the biggest dangers facing the large numbers of people from third world countries still stranded in Kuwait. A Norwegian diplomat arriving in Baghdad said conditions for more than half a million Indians, Pakistanis, Sri Lankans, Bangladeshis and Filipinos were appalling. They simply couldn't afford the food prices being charged on the black market market. British officials say Kuwaiti resistance against the Iraqi army seems to be increasing. Gunfire is heard day and night in Kuwait, and clearly Iraqi troops are having problems dealing with sniper attacks and ambushes. The BBC's Jack Thompson reporting. Doesn't seem like much has changed. It's like the same uh, game plan. Yeah, it sounds like a game plan. It sounds like, you know, of course, we know, looking in hindsight, we know the Kuwait thing was somewhat exaggerated in a lot of levels. 
So that was probably just uh, part of it, part of the uh, presentation, as it were. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Those are good clips. They uh, Well, the thing about the food shortages and essential supplies and all that uh, being uh, expensive or not available um, was just reminiscent of uh, people stocking up on toilet paper and that sort of thing. Yeah, the toilet paper scam. That was a good one. And uh, whatever else, bottled water. Uh, weird stuff wipes. that would go out. Yeah. Wipes. wipes. Yeah. Um, there's going to be a run on wipes. And now there's um, uh, in in Can or I guess in Ontario they're they're talking about how there's the hospitals here have a week's supply left of epidurals <laughs> like and it's just such a strange uh, word verb you know word play you know like oh only a week's worth like I don't know it's just to what scare people yeah yeah <laughs> scare scare the public even more uh, Carolyn you brought uh this thing here of, uh, of Doug Ford. Have you heard? Have oh, you, yeah. Have you seen this thing, uh, uh, Dvorak, about uh, Doug Latest Ford? one? Yeah, with him swallowing a bee? Yeah, he was yeah, talking yeah, to... Yeah, I have seen this on, it's on, it's on it's, Yeah, Doug Ford, what a character. Yes. <laughs> this guy getting voted in. Oh, I know. And it was his uh, his brother who was uh, the mayor of, uh, mayor of Toronto, Rob Ford. Yeah, the cokehead. <laughs> and it just the, the the guy loved loved the city he loved toronto i i don't think there's ever going to be a mayor that uh loved the city quite like him and um uh like his brother was running his campaign so doug was running his campaign and i remember when he uh when rob uh, rob ford got uh got diagnosed with cancer and then and then he subsequently died um he, uh, Doug Ford, actually, they somehow, they managed to put him in his place for, uh, to, to, to be on the ballot the second time uh, around, which yeah, I thought was, wonder. yeah, it makes you wonder. It's such a, it's such a weird thing. And I, I always tell, I always tell Fletcher that, uh, you know, Toronto is like just the, the place where they test this stuff. And I, and I kind of, I always felt that Rob Ford was this, um, Trump-like character and like a, a, on like a micro level and I, I just I remember just seeing like the same hatred in, in when when Rob Ford was was mayor of the city as as people with like it was you know Rob Ford uh, derangement syndrome is very very similar <laughs> they just hated him uh, for no reason definitely elements of that Oh, he was oh, yeah. a goofball that was highly entertaining. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I remember when I went to, I, I was hanging out in front of the comedy store and uh, people were asking or just talking and people asked me like, oh, you're from Canada. Oh, 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 Rob Ford. Like, and they knew exactly who it was. I was like, yeah, I'm from Toronto. And <laughs> that was, that was funny. <laughs> Uh, for those that uh, don't know what we're talking about with Doug Ford and the Bee, uh, do you want to play this clip? Yeah, yeah, let's yeah, let's play. It. Not coming from the not coming from the uh, government per se, but the premier. It's coming from the health sector. <laughs> Holy Christ! I just swallowed the bee. Oh my! Holy Christ! I knew that little bugger. Are you okay? He's down here buzzing around right now. He has a lot of he has a lot of real estate. Now, if that was in the clip, okay, this is going to be replayed over and over again. Mm-hmm. Holy Christ, he's he's wedged in my throat. Sorry, guys. 
little bugger got away in there. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. He's buzzing in there. Oh, Man, he went right down the hatch. Okay, guys. <laughs> this is a classic, okay? <laughs> okay. I did get some good ISOs from it. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. Holy yeah, Christ, he's, he's wedged in my throat. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I just swallowed a bee. <laughs> That's nice. Well, how do you, how does, I mean, I guess it, uh, it like he said, it just went right down the hatch. It, uh, yeah. You, why it didn't sting on the way down? It must have, I don't know. Oh, yeah. That's baffling to me that it didn't sting him on the tongue in or the in the throat. back of the throat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah something. Oh. <laughs> this is a classic, okay? In the in the there was a uh, the video that I watched there was a, there it was in slow motion and you could actually see the bee going into his into his mouth. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> at first I thought like oh he's just playing around and it's he's just you know looking for attention or something. <laughs> and then and then oh okay it's actually a bee in his mouth. It kind of made it seem like he saw the bee like before just buzzing around. Yeah. And so. But uh, maybe the bee was a drone. <laughs> oh, <maybe. Yeah. laughs> and uh, it was sent by, uh, you know, whoever to get him. <laughs> we could uh, we could play another voicemail. We got uh, we got a few in here. Uh, oh, yeah. Hit me with the voicemail. Oh, yeah. Why don't you play a couple of these? I'm going to go let my dog out. I'll be right back. All right. All right. Someone needs to learn when. Bluetooth headset's connected when it's not. Something in my house that should be connected to the internet, supposedly. I don't think any of them, anything in my house outside of, like, computers should be connected to the internet. My Sonos system. But before I moved, one of my buddies gave me some smart lights. Philips Hue. Oh, smart lights. Hue lights that change colors and... You know, you can turn them on and off with the regular light switch, but, uh, you know, they come with a, a thing to connect them to. You need, they need to be connected to a router. You can't use them if they're not connected to a router. Hey, nerds, it's outside of just turning them off and on. And so I went out and I got myself a, uh, a $13 used 10100. I don't know if it even has a, and wireless. I know it's got G, but uh, just a dirt cheap thing that you know. Now I can use the the lights. I, I busted out an old cell phone. It's only connected to the Internet of Things router, and it's still a hidden network. Good luck, whoever trying to find that freaking thing and breaking into that password just to <laughs> find out all that's on there is some stupid ass freaking lights. But the lights are cool, and I don't use them to their full potential. I don't care enough, but they're they're snazzy. So, should they be connected to the internet? According to the little thingy that's connected to the the router, it's flashing and saying, you know, this, if you're not connected to the internet, we need to download a, a firmware update so we can update your light bulbs. No, not connected to the internet. And a smoker. On the smoker, Billy Bones. <laughs> Thank you, Billy Bones. Let's see. Yeah, those lights. Hey, we got another one. I, uh... You're Jeff Goldblum. Adorable. Hoo-yah! Hmm. 
<clears throat> what do I have that's not on the internet that should be? Uh, I thought of a few things, like curtains, but uh, <laughs> you'd have to like label them all, you know. Uh, yeah. That I'll have to have like uh, numbers or underscores. Something like uh, bedroom big window, big bedroom small window, front bay window, <laughs> door wall, you know, uh, and maybe you could control them, you know, that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe be cool. I don't know. I think they have blinds. You can do that. Uh, but then, like, the FBI would probably tap into that data, and they're like, why is he closing his curtain so often? He has something to hide. Let's raid his home. <laughs> um <laughs> Also, I run box fans all the time, uh, yeah. a lot, just to keep air circulating. Because I got, I literally have no ceiling fans in my house, which is odd. I think I would, but maybe I should get one uh, for my dining room area. Actually, it's not like a dining room; it's more like a a nook off the kitchen. Because I don't have a, I don't have a formal dining room. I'm not that fancy, but uh, not yet. someday maybe. Um, fancy but yeah, net the box fan. Uh, just to control them. Uh, but then the same thing, uh, they'd be like, why is he running his box fans all the time? <laughs> and I know, like, uh, like my sister's family, they run a box fan constantly just for the noise when they sleep. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's that factor, too. Or maybe uh, your pillow. Maybe your pillow, pillow. would sense, you know, when you drool too much. And it'd be like one of those... Uh, the old school things with the cloth that you used to dry your hands on in the uh, bathrooms that you kept pulling and it kept coming with new cloth. Oh, yeah, uh, just a loop And the cloth. old cloth would go, like, I don't know, out the back into an incinerator and be burned. Or or it'd just keep coming through with dirty uh, cloth over and over again. Uh, that or maybe it had, like, a cooling features, like his head's hot and it's, Mr. Sandman. <laughs> a little cooler on you. But every every single one of these is going to be exploited by somebody and uh, either marketed uh, products to you. Uh-huh. I don't know. Maybe like a drool cup for sleeping with. Uh, yeah, stick that on your face. <clears throat> or a, uh, I don't know what you'd uh, market with knowing how you open a closure. Curtains or a box fan, but with an app. I'm sure there's something they would figure out how to market something related to that to you. Maybe a fan cleaner or a Roomba for your fan. Oh, there you go, Net. In the smoker. In the smoker, sir. Uh, no, if you want to be uh, really uh, ahead of the curve, buy a ceiling fan and put it on your floor. Nobody's doing that. <laughs> Obstacle course in your house. Who's that maniac? That was Net Ned. He does art for the No Agenda show. I think he yeah, won recently. He does. He recently. does good art. Yeah, he does. Uh, he does. Yeah, he uh, he calls in on the regular. We've talked to him before. He's a he's a really nice guy. And uh, he was even at the Memphis meetup. Wow. Let's see. Oh, we got a couple of short ones here from the same color, and I think I know who this is. Hey. Hey. Heard you guys hey. talking a lot of hot blocking action. How does one get into this? I'm asking for a friend. Uh, well, you're blocked. I just heard the question. And if there's one thing that I would like that I could connect to the internet of all things, it would be a wrench. It's a Bluetooth 
app-enabled wrench where you can go in and preset all the specific sizes of that wrench that you're ever going to need. And then, boom, oh, I got a quarter inch. Hmm. Or, or perhaps, like, I want, like, a little three-eighths action. Oh, sweet. There it is. I think that would be a huge <laughs> seller. And, then, like, why not just upcharge them extra, you know, every month and, that way they can unlock more and more presets. You know what I'm saying? You could probably even throw in like a little uh, LED color change in action on that bad boy. Think about it. <laughs> oh, yes. Internet-enabled wrench. Uh, yeah, think about it. Yeah. yeah well, I, I guess I'll if Frank it. Zappa was still alive and making albums, he'd probably put that in an album. Joe's Garage 3 or something. <laughs> um, did you ever listen to much Frank Zappa? Yeah, I actually saw Frank Zappa perform. Oh, really? Oh, cool. Yeah. When was this? It was a while ago, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it was uh, at the uh, Family Dog at Avalon Ballroom in San Francisco, and it was um, him and the Mothers of Invention. They This is during the era of, uh, and, and his band is terrific, and it was in the era of psychedelic uh, ballrooms, and so they had a, a big wall of... Uh, I don't even know what to call it anymore. Uh, all this, they had all these guys with these projectors and all this projected images, psychedelic images in the back of the wall and around in a big circle. And, oh, yeah. uh, oh, and like oil and a, water. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That they had the headlamps were one of the big groups that did this. And they used uh, like a little overhead projector thing and they had this oil and goo in there and they'd read different people <laughs> making a mess. <laughs> oh, okay. And they start throwing slides up. Yeah. And Zappa stops the concert right in the middle of the uh, some song, and he looks at the behind him at the slides of some a bunch of topless women, <laughs> and he says, <laughs> "Just stops the whole show." I don't know why it's the only thing I remember. I can't even remember his set that well, but I remember this. Stops the show and he looks and he points. He says, "Tits," <laughs> <laughs> and then he then he starts the band up again. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great. I. Uh, I'm a big Frank Zappa fan. Um, got into him several years ago, and uh, I, I think I got it from Pirate Bay. Just his entire discography, all the way up to I want to say 2006, that his family was releasing after he had died. Um, and along with all his music came all of his interviews that he had done on radio or or various places, uh, TV. Uh, there's yeah, a show. He been a podcaster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he had a, great. a great voice and a great take on things. And um, there was a lecture he gave, or I guess not a lecture, but it was at the Palace of Fine Arts in San Francisco. And uh, it was really good because he's talking about his music. He's taking questions from the audience and he's being snarky in his typical fashion. And um, at the end, he he was talking about how his wife was looking through this book of of musicians to see if he was in there. He was not, but there was a, a guy from uh, the Baroque era, uh, an Italian sort of fellow uh, named Francesco Zappa that wrote string quartets and whatnot. And he found his music and plugged it, plugged it into uh, the Synclavier, which was a synthesizer that worked with a computer. And so you could have uh, any notes anywhere and uh, all these various uh, computerized synthesizers play it back to you he released a few albums of that music which it was uh, pretty strange but he uh he did a one-man puppet show 
which was his uh, uh, outrageous sort of extrapolation of this guy's uh, life. And he had some guy from the San Francisco Chronicle, maybe. Uh, he said it was from the pink section or something. Uh, I'm not sure what paper it was, actually. But this this guy just does all the voices for this puppet show. And it is hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Um, is that on tape or I can that was on YouTube? Uh, I have no idea if it is. I can send you. Uh, I can send you the file, though. I have it. Yeah, send uh, me the file. I'd like to see it. Uh, I can play you a short little, the uh, uh, maybe a intro to it, uh, so you can get a taste for what it's like. Uh, the first one's free. <laughs> We're going to introduce now uh, a third member of our cast, whose name is Calvin Algren. Calvin oh, is uh, an editor for the uh, Pink section of the San Francisco Chronicle. But let me tell you what this is. After I found out about Francesco. Let me pause it. Okay, he just says everything I pretty much just said. Service, oh, radiant benefactor. You're looking very significant today. Mamma mia, your new wig. It's so incredibly bouffant. And your sports frock. Porco Dio. The people of your country certainly know a lot about grooming and comportment. <laughs> Must be wonderful to be a truly English sort of a person. Really terrific, I betcha. <laughs> Francesco takes a little cello out of his pocket and attempts to help the Duke get a grip on it. <laughs> okay, just put this thing between your legs here. Move the coat a little bit. That's it. Yeah. Yes, it is great to be English. There's no question about it. We are God's chosen people. We are the best. We have always been the best. We shall always be the best. And you should be damned thankful that I've given you the opportunity, wretched and foreign as you are, to provide me with instruction on this uncomfortable piece of musical furniture. Yeah. So he, uh, Francesco was, uh, I guess, working with uh, some English baron or some sort to... Uh, teach him how to play the cello and uh of course this is all fiction but that guy does a great job and it goes on for 40 minutes or so and uh, it's just him doing the entire uh, little puppet show with no puppets by the way just the voices <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah that guy's well, talented definitely obscure yeah definitely it is and uh um, oh, yeah and uh i think included in that that file that i had uh was uh, Zappa had done a, a whole thing of these radio spots for anti, like anti-drug radio spots, and so saying things like you know, "crack is whack" and all this type of stuff. But it was, of course, he had to put his own spin on it, so it was uh, funnier than my presentation. But uh, yeah, the dude was interesting to uh, to say the least, and he almost didn't do music. He almost went into uh, chemical engineering to work with the explosives. Wow. That's what his dad did. His dad well, was, he was a, a terrific musician. There's no doubt about that. Oh yeah. He did great arrangements. He knew all these a lot of instruments and he could and his playing was just fun to watch. And he taught himself. He said he uh went to uh a, a junior college yeah. for one year with the intention of getting laid and was successful, so he dropped out. And then went to a library and taught himself music, where to put the dots on the page. And yeah. He probably had it. Obviously, had a perfect pitch ear, which doesn't hurt. 
no. And he knew what he wanted to hear. Uh, that's what he always said was his main goal was to just get out on paper everything that was in his head. And so that's why he was constantly rotating his band members and everything to get people that could play what he had in his head. And he was not that successful, according to him. But well, his bands. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just, he had to be a taskmaster. Yeah, I mean, a number of, of these course. guys are like that. I mean, Van Morrison is notorious for that. Mm. He was. Everybody said he was a major, uh, major asshole when it came to practicing. Um, uh, one of the clips we played uh, before the show started, where uh, he goes, um, "Hey, that sounds like shit." That's taken from one of his rehearsals. Uh, <laughs> you know, they, and and the part that they played, uh, you you could pick out. You know, maybe one one pitch that was just a little off, and he he just stopped the whole band and had them start completely over. He made them memorize all their music too, and it would be two or three hours worth of music, uh, and he was just relentless. There was no, with the exception of the Mothers of Invention, that first band, uh, he wouldn't let anybody do drugs, and um, nothing. He was uh, very strict, but he got the results he wanted. That's for sure. Well, whether it was better than the mothers were, it's hard to say. Yeah, the the because definitely different, different yeah. sound and uh, different uh, influences. I'm sure. Well, they started around. that whole the whole psychedelic movement. It was was him with the mothers of invention. I mean, isn't that ironic? Like they're they're uh, well, you know that's none debatable. of yeah. <laughs> well, that they you know if, if you know. Sp- if they actually indeed did, uh, and then nobody did drugs in that band. I, I think that's funny. Yeah. But all the hippies <laughs> were doing drugs. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the presumption that, Oh, Frank Zappa is all dropping acid and all this. <laughs> I like how satirical he was. He was not afraid to make fun of people. Um, that last band he was with and on his 88 tour, they were constantly throwing in these little musical motifs that were making fun of bands like, Devo and the Scorpions and uh, various other bands. They would always throw in a uh, a little little Louie Louie bit in there just randomly. Uh, and they were tight. I remember uh, uh, John talking about having you having a, a, a collection of Louie Louie oh, yeah. records. Yes, I do. Uh, this stems from uh, listening to, again, listening to some college radio station where they decided to play Louie Louie all day. Different oh. bands. Yeah. And so I said, this, there's a lot of people doing Louie Louie. It's just a <laughs> lame song, but uh, especially, when you, it's, especially when you consider it comes from the original, uh, what's his name, Barry's uh, Louie Louie. It's a very slow song, melodic. Uh and then the Kingsmen, of course, did Louis Louis, and that became the uh, model for most of the Louis Louis. And the competition on the West Coast was with, uh, uh, what's this guy's name? Uh, Paul Revere and the Raiders. Oh, yeah. And, uh, but there's everyone did him. I mean, uh, Iggy Pop did a Louis Louis. I mean, you, so I start collecting him. So I have about, probably about 50, maybe, maybe 50. Oh, wow. Apparently, wow. Otis Redding did a version of it. Oh. I think I have that. I think I have, maybe I might have an Otis Redding version. I can't remember now. I haven't t- touched the collection for a long time. But um, 
Yeah, maybe. There's just, a lot of people that did it. Yeah, I just That's looked it up. I see uh, Patty Smith. I see Motorhead. Well, Patty Smith, yeah. Motorhead. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Motorhead is pretty good. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Bruce Springsteen, Black Flag. Wow. Yeah, Black Flag had a good version. Wow. That's, that's what, Beach Boys? Yeah, well, the Beach Boys did uh, one of the early versions that's similar to the Richard Berry song. Oh, okay. You know, the slow version. Yeah. I see. Oh, yeah, it says 1964. So, yeah. Oh, I had to look this up. So, Louie Louie is the, uh, under the cover versions in Wikipedia, it says, Louie Louie is the world's most recorded rock song with published estimates ranging from... Uh, over sixteen hundred to more than two thousand. Wow! <laughs> I'm I, I'm not even keeping up. <laughs> like so no, you got to up your game, man. You, you get up there and get some Mark, more. I'm just gonna give up. You, you just depressed me. <laughs> you go to discogs.org and see if you can find any there. There. Uh, but that doesn't mean that all of them are good. <laughs> no, none of them are good. I mean, we could do a cover version of Louie Louie right now if you want to. <laughs> we could. <laughs> no, I uh, I have what some might say is too many vinyl records. Uh, no, you do. I uh, I'm, I have uh, I'm pushing three thousand. Thirty thousand, you say? No, three thousand. No, oh God, thirty thousand. <laughs> Jesus, be. I mean, it wouldn't have surprised me. Okay, so you got three thousand vinyls. Uh, can you figure out which ones have never been digitized? Oh yeah, a uh, vast majority of them. I uh can you uh set up a rig and start digitizing them for the for all mankind? I have yes, I have the rig. I even have it where I could probably play it on the stream at the like you know within a couple As of minutes. You're digitizing so you can do yeah. things at once. Yeah. Uh the one that was on the player right now is uh it's a live show from Jerry Lee Lewis called By Request. Uh, that sounds obscure. It's uh more of the greatest live show on earth, Jerry Lee Lewis. I'm not sure what Year it was from a radio station though because it has a hole punched through the uh, the label. Well, that doesn't mean it's from a radio station. Uh, didn't they do that though with the uh, promo copies and that sort of deal? Did, review copies that went out to reviewers had the hole punched in them. Oh, okay. Oh, well, anybody several. who got a free co- free copies had a hole punched in them. So whether it was a radio station or not, I don't know that they did to the radio station. I've never so seen it through the record itself. Most of them I have will have a hole through the 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 cardboard uh, sleeve, you know, but not the record yeah, itself. Yeah, to be honest about it, I've never seen the hole through the record either. But and I have seen the hole through the sleeve, uh, but that doesn't them. mean they, they didn't do it for a while. They may have done it, or maybe that was the policy at that place. I don't know. It could be. Um, some of them I have are, you know, they'll have like gold lettering pressed on it saying uh, a DJ use only, not for resale. And yeah, the funny thing is, is I paid like money that, for them. Um, yeah, of course. This whole thing is nuts. An interesting one I have is called the Mighty U.S. Armed Forces Sound Effects in Action. It's three stereo LPs from Radio Shack. And it's uh, sound effects from uh, the U.S. military. Let's see. Air Force Firepower. There's a uh, nuclear-powered aircraft carrier sounds, uh, small, medium, and large warfare uh, firepower as an ordinance. This sounds like a winner. It's also got bugle calls on one of the sides. That's a good one. 
You got to digitize that one right off the bat. Uh, that one oh, yeah. is you digitized. Need a, you need, a, you need a, 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 I've got a, a Berwin pop filter if you ever want, you know, are you familiar with that device? No. I, I use uh, Adobe Audition and all their fancy. Oh, uh, you go through it by hand? Uh, okay. No, no, no. They've got. Uh, <laughs> oh, they've they got, have a pop filter? Yeah, and it'll detect it. Click, click filter? Mm-hmm. And uh, various other. It works. Uh, it works. It does. You have to go in and do some things individually, but for the most part, it uh, it does a good job. You know, as long as it's not too terribly damaged. Uh, now there are these Japanese laser record players that uh, yes, but they're 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 ten grand. I know they're too expensive. But you don't have to flip the record over, and uh, it'll read no, broken records and all that sort of fun stuff. It doesn't matter what you can run. You can also speed it up so it'll record. You know, uh, instead of having to wait the whole time for the record to play, the good laser readers will just read it like a hard disk. You know, oh yeah, in ten minutes. Uh, no, how, they, does, how does it read um, both sides? Like with it just the flips laser. the laser around to the other side of the uh, disk. Oh, okay. Well, I thought it had two lasers. That would make more sense, actually. in between. Yeah, that would make uh, a lot of sense. Okay. Uh, I do have this Armed Forces uh, record digitized. If you w- would like to hear uh, some sounds from it, um, would you like to hear... Let's, let's pick U.S. Firepower. So give me a number between uh, 1 and 17. 10. 10. Let's see, number 10. This is the F-105 fighter bombers drop 500-pound bombs and ground bursts. Come on! Race flight! OB! 175! One magazine! Fire! Well, that's not it at all, actually. It's terrible, whatever, whatever that is. Sounds like Chinese New Year here. In oh, I also picked the wrong one. It's this one. That was people just shooting guns. Five hundred pound bombs, huh? Well, that yeah, album d- must have been a bestseller in its day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, from Radio Shack, man. I'm telling you. The interesting thing is the uh, the little description on the back where it says, uh, this recording was made on an Ampex tape recorder model 350 with Telefunken, RCA, and Electro Voice microphones. The masters were cut on an automatic Scully record lathe with a Westrex cutting head. <laughs> And uh, while the total frequency range of 20 cycles per second to 20,000 cycles per second on this record may not be within the range of ordinary human hearing, nevertheless, inspection with a microscope will show the etchings of the upper dynamic frequencies. Get your microscope out. I just like uh, weird shit like that, really. Well, that's definitely a collectible. You can take it from me. (laughs) I will. It is. <laughs> and uh, I've got various other ones from a public library. Tyler, Texas Public Library must have liquidated all their uh, vinyl records. So I've got Folk Tales from the Picture Book, which has various uh, uh, stories from cultures. Have you tried digitizing those things? Uh, those are on the docket. 
for uh, digitization. Because it seems to me that they're going to be half ruined by any usage whatsoever. You know, you give a folktale album off, check it out at the library, and the kid's going to have, you know, who knows what, putting a brick on it and seeing if the thing can play. And it's just got to have no fidelity oh, at no, all. The, I'm wondering the, if... Surprisingly, Adobe the record's in really good shape. I don't think anybody at the public library listened to it. Um, no, that could be. It's always possible. Oh, yeah. Oh, hey, look, the uh, the little checkout card's still on the back. So the last time... <laughs> we've got dates from July 9th, 1984. It was checked out twice in 84, once in 85, and then not again until... Oh, no, that's the last one. Yep. Huh. Just, it looks like twice a year. 83, 84, 85, and that's it. <laughs> Must have uh, been when the, that was in the curriculum, I guess. Maybe, or it just wasn't that interesting. I don't know. Oh, maybe. Um, it's possibly a piece of shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is a very real possibility, considering I paid a dollar for it. You paid too much. <laughs> <laughs> That may be true. They okay. should have given you the dollar and the record. <laughs> you know, they really should have. Most of the ones that started this collection were given to me for free because a radio, a, not radio, a local record store was uh, going out of business. And he was wanting to get rid of a lot of stuff. He had a door uh, propped open with this box of records in it. And it said free. And so I let him know I was taking the box in case he wanted to prop the door open with something else. And he said, hey, man, do you want any more? I said, sure, I'll take whatever you give me. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I was driving a, an 06 Scion XB, which that was the first year that car came out. So it was a box. It was a toaster on wheels. Oh, yeah. I remember that car. <laughs> and they were yeah. they were crazy. Like inside, they were a lot roomier than they looked. And so oh, yeah. he gave me that day. He gave me a thousand records. Yeah. Well, that got you off to a quick start. I gave a lot of them away because they were duplicates or... Stuff I wasn't interested in, like uh, gospel music. And so uh, I gave those to a Goodwill and uh, some to my mom, which I eventually got back. That's the joke. <laughs> <laughs> when my grandmother died, she gave me my grandmother's records, along with the gospel records I had given her. So, yeah. <laughs> I've got a bunch of old country western, uh, a lot of classic rock from an uncle that he gave me. And then... Um, just the random weird stuff I will find in antique stores. Monty Python records, various comedy records, like George Carlin and Richard Pryor. And, um, yeah, you know, the, the ones that I think are probably the most collectible are spoken word. Yeah. And, yeah. And of all sorts, because no one ever digitizes the old spoken word stuff. Oh, no. Uh, like this fact, one. If you can get 70, yeah. Uh, a phone call from God. Is what this is yeah, called. Yeah, that would be a good example. <laughs> a guy named Probably Ray Reeves. dollars that one record. Um, yeah, not really, but it could be worth 25 or more. Uh, I've collected a lot of 78s. Oh, yeah. Because you can get those for less, less than a dollar, at least for a while. <laughs> They're starting to go up in value. But I have a lot of them that I just want to digitize. I have the original Broadway play of Porgy and Bess. Uh, from the 30s on a 70, on a, on a, sorry, a bunch of, uh, a, a album full of 78s. And they're, uh, it's like an album back in the day was a big, was like a book with a bunch of records in it. It wasn't like one record with a bunch of songs on it. 
That's one thing I need to get is a, a turntable that will play 78s or the old lacquers. Because I have some of those. That, they're 70, opera music, though. 78 uh, record. There's, there, it's not hard to get a 78 record player. What, what I would like to get a hold of, even though I, I kind of have one that doesn't work, an old Thorin's um, from a radio station, but uh, is 16s. Oh, yeah, a big 16-inch record. <laughs> no, no, not those are, those are transcriptions. 16 RPM oh. records. Oh, shit, oh, what's okay. on that? Sorry? Oh, what's on that? What do they have on a 16 RPMs? It's all spoken word. Oh, okay. Even though you could probably get um, some songs. They claimed it when it came out, it, it was one of these short-term things. I don't have the years in front of me, but it was... Uh, period of time maybe a decade or so where they because they were shrinking you know they, they were getting better fidelity on slower speeds when they went from 78 to 45 and then they went to 33 and a third and then they went to 16 thing they can keep shrinking and uh i think i have one whole thing on how to hypnotize somebody i i have <laughs> nice. and these are albums again and there's one on some reading some poems or some novel uh it's not none of it's interesting <laughs> but uh, it's like there's another type of element like it, how to do sales. I've got this one that's sitting here. I want to digitize it, which is a 33 and a third elm on how to be the best salesman. And it's from like the 50s or something. Or, or oh, actually, yeah. Wait, 33 and a third came out in the 60s, I believe. But anyway, it's right in the beginning of the era. And where everything is mono mono 33 oh, of course, yeah oh yeah yeah and so uh, i just got to digitize because i want to listen to this thing because i'm sure there's clippable stuff in there up the up the butt of you know how to do sales 1960s style that reminds me oh, i have yeah. one i need to I, I wonder how much of uh, how much of that is uh can be used in today's world to actually help you sales. sales yeah, <laughs> yeah it's none. a Really, yeah. The real like trick a firm is, handshake. That's probably the only thing you can get out of it. Even that might not work anymore. The oh, real trick is true, uh, yeah. learning how to speak with the uh, the crackle and the pops in your voice. Like off the, off the record. <laughs> I have one. Uh, it's called Instant German, and it's uh, how to speak German lessons. It comes with a workbook and uh, a vinyl record and a pencil. Nice. And it's well, just a, yeah, that's it's nice. Just, they include a pencil. This is just a standard number two uh, pencil, like one you would have uh, at a golf game for the little pad. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, that was that one was free. This is Jerry Clower from Yazoo. I don't know who that is, but he has a thing called Mississippi Talking, and it's just stories from him. No. It's about Mississippi. I bet you they're dreadful. They. Probably are. <laughs> uh, this one is a uh, radio broadcast from uh, Oh Abbott and Costello on the radio. Look at that. Hmm. Oh, it's got Who's on First and some original broadcast from 1944. All right. Oh. What do you think about bluegrass music? I love it. Um. There's a show that's on the No Agenda stream Sunday mornings. That's uh, two hours of bluegrass. I don't love it that much. Oh, well. I'm usually <laughs> doing the show on Sunday mornings. Oh, yeah. Well, it would be 9 a.m. Central, so that's 7 a.m. your time. That's pretty yeah, uh, pretty early. Not gonna happen. No, I don't love it that much. It's uh, it's me and a guy, uh, Pfeiffer. Uh, we just trade back and forth playing. Uh, yeah, would you play mandolin? No, no, no. We go and find live uh, bluegrass oh, recordings. 
Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, uh, I just wanted to know if you liked bluegrass music because no, uh, I do. I think it's very entertaining. I uh, I was never into it until recently, but I like music that takes talent to play, and uh, some of these flat pickers. And it takes talent to sing too with the yodel. Yeah, yeah, and oftentimes uh, I don't even know what to call that voice. I, I wouldn't either. Um, nasal? <laughs> I don't know. That's <laughs> uh, pretty much what it is, but. Sometimes it's awful. It, the trick is finding the uh, the quality stuff out there that's not recorded on a fucking cell phone. <laughs> so many times you like the thumbnail is um, you know tricky, where you think, oh yeah, no, this was professionally shot. That's a good picture. And then you see it, and it's just some jamoke standing behind somebody else with their cell phone out recording. And all the audios like this, they just got there singing away. It's awful. Yes. One that I did find that was interesting was this bluegrass band did uh, an entire cover of Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, but bluegrass style. It was called Dark Side of the Moonshine. And it was fantastic. Wow. I'd like to hear fantastic. that. Send me a copy. I will. Uh, I need to make a list of everything I need to send you. I'll, uh, I'll send you a big zip file. Oh, remember when Zip Files actually had its own heart, like drive, a separate external drive, with those big weird Zip File discs? Oh, that those were Zip Files. Those were Zip Drive. Oh, that was that different? Yeah, totally. Mm. Uh, I actually have one of those. I have one of the original ones, but that became uh, that was based on the Bernoulli uh, box, which is. Uh, um, was it was some idea where the head could be flying around or just above the surface in some fashion and so this i'm trying to think what the company was that finally made the uh they made the jump from these clunky bernoulli discs which are huge uh screwball looking things to the zip drive which is the one you're talking about yeah yeah and that was a uh it was it that had the possibility of taking over where the floppy disk left off and becoming a big deal. And uh, optical drives came along during that period and competed with them. And for some reason or other, the thing, I think they had manufacturing issues. They started failing. The company disappeared oddly. iOmega yeah. was the company. I all yeah, iOmega. I knew the fact, I think the guy, the CEO is Kim Brown, if I'm not mistaken, who was a talented marketing guy. And, uh, yeah, those were good. If they had a moment in, in time where they dominated uh, high-capacity uh, removable storage. Huh. Moment in time. It says a linear actuator uses the voice coil actuation technology related to modern hard disk drives. Hmm. Oh, I see what you mean with the uh, Bernoulli media. Yeah. Uh, transfer rate of 1.4 megs a second. Well, at the time, that was pretty pretty speedy. 1994 is when it came out. That's why I vaguely remember it. Um, oh, that's yeah, what a zip drive looks like. Oh, okay. Can yeah, they, uh, I still have one. I have a couple of discs somewhere, and I have one of the portable drives that you can plug in. It's got a... I don't know what the connection is on the back, but uh, there's still discs around. Uh, optical drives started showing up, I think is what... I, it may have been the optical drive that killed them. I think so, yeah, using... Uh, Slew of these different, especially when they came with a small optical drive, and that thing was the so, mini disc. It wasn't a <laughs> super mini; it was about the size of a three and a half inch hard sided floppy. Uh, it had the it had the right form factor, and they had the big ones. I had a couple of those, and then they had the little bitty ones. 
and the little bitty ones were kicking ass with capacity. And then uh, I'm not sure what happened after that. It, I'd have to see where the transition was from that to the thumb drive or whatever started being used. Or the high-capacity floppies. They, that's what happened, I think. The high-capacity floppies were cheaper, yeah. a lot cheaper, a lot easier to use. The drives were cheaper so they can be put into the computers without, you know, the optical drives are expensive by comparison. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that was a funny era. It was from about 19, most of the 90s and into the, two, the early 2000s, maybe. It said they tried to keep going by releasing the Zip CD, which uh, <laughs> utilized a 700 uh, uh, megabyte CD, but could only record 650 onto yeah. it. Yeah, the C yeah well, then they weren't a CD company, and everybody, Philips was, and everybody else was, and so I, I, they just dropped the ball. I imagine finding the right technology that's going to be successful is uh, quite the difficult endeavor. Well, in the short term, if you if you're good at marketing, but uh, long term success is very limited. I mean, zip, uh, oh, not zip, but uh, USB. Uh, those thumb drives they've been around for for quite a while, and their uh, their capacity, of course, has only increased. But it seems like the uh, the overall uh, what would you say? I guess just the the tech behind it has stayed pretty much the same, huh? Well, it, the, the speed of the drives, depending on the U, USB, is actually uh, kind of uh, called the shots on what what technology you can put in the thumb drive because as it got to faster and faster speeds, USB 3.0 comes along, and the next thing you know, you got these thumb drives can really crank, push have throughput that really is phenomenal, and uh, and the flash memory that goes in them has been. A, technology has been improving consistently the early ones the early flash technology in those early thumb drives but the flash technology to, to begin with was was um problematic because it was it would wear out literally hmm. they the way it, the way it was designed the ad, the atoms flying around inside they would chip away at the internals of the of the of the circuit to the point where they had a limited read-write capacity. I think it was, I think in the early days, it was like 10,000 read-writes before it crapped out. And it was a big deal when they went to like 100,000 and a big, now it's nobody even cares. But it was a real problem at the beginning, this, that technology and the uh, thumb drive. And it was in the thumb drive right away. But there were, you know, it's also in the compact disc. I think that I'm not saying the compact disc. I mean, compact. What is it? It was the compact flash drive, not a compact disc. Compact flash drive. Those big ones that were used in cameras, and then they. Oh yeah. Yeah. This this thing it moves along. You know. I have a guitar pedal that uh, like, I can record uh, small samples of what I play uh, on this guitar pedal, but it uses one of those big, chunky. Uh, uh, cards that you're talking about uh, yeah, like for flash. a camera yeah yeah flash uh those things are i've got a bunch of them and i just like keep looking at it and the capacity is nothing like compared to uh what's going on with the rest of the sd little sd card yeah i think it's 350 megs total that this thing can read and then the audio quality is terrible for picture storage is great but audio reproduction new no, not okay. that great uh, it's, it's it's not the card's fault. 
Are you saying it's my fault? I need to learn how to play. No, it's not your fault either. It's the technology <laughs> between the card, your guitar, or something in that pedal. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the the effects on there sound great, and they're still uh, useful. It's a Digitech, which it says so right in the name. But it, uh, yeah, for recording, not so much, not so much. Uh, but yeah, I mean. Uh, I had one of those um, uh, mini disc players, uh, Sony mini disc players. You did? Oh, yeah, that's a col- like, uh, hey, collectible. Yeah. yeah collectible, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> totally collectible. That oh, was, was Sony thinking that they, would, they could do no wrong, so they came out. They came with the dumbest shit. They came out with that thing. I mean, they had the Walkman, okay, but it, was, it wasn't their invention. The cassette wasn't their invention. They, they just had a nice little portable player. Yeah, and they were part of some consortium, the Green Book or whatever it was. But it was really Phillips that invented these things, and mm-hmm. uh, so they thought they could do. Oh, we can do. What's the next step? Well, we're going to do this thing. We have our own proprietary discs. That's what everyone wants. Yeah. I hate that <laughs> shit. Right. And then they had the worst software that came with it, the worst proprietary software ever. Yeah, I <laughs> you have couldn't a... use it with anything else. They did I, the same I... thing with memory sticks. They had a stupid yeah. memory sticks. Oh, that's ridiculous. And it's just, you should be able to just drag and drop stuff onto a memory stick. Yep. I, I remember having this um, MP3 player and it was just, it was, it was simple. I got it from one of these, uh, a computer store and it was just something made, made from China and uh, made by China. And, and like they had uh, LED screens and it tell you like the song and everything it was perfect. And you just drag and drop. And then I, I went from that to, to the Sony uh, mini disc player. And how I many mini discs did you have? You went I, backwards. I, I think, I, yeah, I went backwards. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think I, I think I only had like one. I think I had one or two or something. It, it, at that time, uh, I think it was like a gig of memory. And at that time, that was that was a lot. <sighs> oh yeah, I remember just seeing mini discs uh, in the record stores. I don't stores. think it was that big. I don't think it was a gig. Oh, I'd maybe it wasn't. Yeah, it had to be something lower. Hmm. No, everybody ridiculed that thing when it came out. I mean, yeah. people that don't like Sony's idea what things sh- how things should be. The packaging was just weird for the mini disc too. It didn't look right. Uh, I don't know if it was the proportions in the the little rectangular package or what, but uh, no wonder it flopped. Yeah, and you didn't have to take take it out of. I remember you had to. Uh, it came with a, a cord, so you just plug it in oh, USB yeah. and into the device rather than taking out the cord and or taking out the mini disc and putting it into into something that would read it. I had an I old even- PC that had a, a an optical drive like that. You didn't place the CD on a tray; it was in a in a cart that you just could chunk into <laughs> the front of the thing. Uh, it was weird. It was so dumb. Yes, there was. A, I think Panasonic may have made those. I'm not sure, but I, I, I think I still have a couple of them of the of these stupid looking cart things. Yeah. And uh, but it's like, yeah, you're right. It was like a, it was like a CD inside of a floppy, giant floppy disc holder. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea was to protect it. And, you know, I mean, what to protect it from what? But it didn't. It's not like magnetic memory. Where you get your thumbprint on it and you won't read. No. And the messed up thing was it spins the thing 
and then it doesn't come to a complete stop before it would place it back into into the plastic cart. So you hear the disc like. Oh, I forgot that part of it. You're right. It used to slip it out of the. Yeah. (laughs) Unlike a floppy disc, it would steal it from the uh, container and then. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it was it it messed up the CDs worse than just handling it yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Asking for scratching. That's what they did. That's what they did. No. And, uh, you know, it's uh, but I don't mess around with computers much anymore. All mine are. Very sim- the thing that bugs me, though, that I got to say is computers, they, the people that make PCs are stopping uh, putting SD card readers on the machine where you have to go buy an external SD card reader. Oh, that's hap- that's decades old. Well, I'm decades behind then. It's very irksome. I have a I have a laptop that uh, I've only had. What, well, some of the laptops will still have a little card reader. Mine. Uh, I don't even know how this laptop still works. It's from 2008. It's a HP and uh, it's what I'm using to broadcast to the stream. And that's all it does. And so it's fine doing that. It works. Yeah. I I don't question it. I don't add anything to it. I try not to update it. Well, you can get some pretty dynamite laptops now from Lenovo for, geez, I don't know. Dirt cheap. Yeah. Dirt cheap. I can't understand why anybody buys a MacBook. I'm looking at these. Lenovo and some of the Lenovo in particular, but also HP's got a lot of cheap stuff that is just as good. And uh, Dell makes a good laptop. I think I paid eight hundred bucks for this thing, brand new, in two thousand eight. And uh, you get the same power for four hundred now. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I, I think it, I would be lucky if it had two gigs of RAM in it. Um, it might that might be what it is. Uh, now that I think about it, but. No, I just like having an SD card reader. It's uh, convenient because all my recording equipment uses SDs. And uh, so they, uh, they're they just easy to take out and pop in somewhere else and extract the audio from. Yeah, it's good good technology. The uh, whatever. So what else did you guys talk about on that show? Fucking SD cards, man. About old computers and maybe some zip drive. Remember that? Zip the drive. zip yeah, drive. And this idiot it. thought he was talking about a zip file. <laughs> this guy doesn't know a zip from zip. <laughs> a fucking fool. No, oh, and oh, it looks like Carolyn's internet dropped off. That's what you get with Canadian. Uh, what, uh, what is that? Um, what's their uh, internet company up there? It's uh, the one that Bell, starts- They have Bell. They got Rogers. Rogers. That's the one she's on. I know, and that's yeah. the one she was talking about. Dropped off uh, nearly the entire country. Uh, however many uh, weeks yeah. ago. They don't have enough small internet companies up there I don't, that I know of. They got big conglomerates that just do all the work. I'm not surprised, really. I mean, uh, with the with the amount of population they have, uh, I'm sure it's easy for those companies to uh, gain a foothold and get a monopoly on it without anybody really uh, complaining. Plus, they're Canadian; they're not going to complain. They don't complain. Well, they do complain, but they complain in just kind of a back back word way. Well, in the bars when they're uh, seeing how many peppers they can eat with each other, that's where they complain. Yeah. So she's off. So we've missed. So she's missed half the show. Essentially, yeah, she really is going to have to go back and re-listen to it, and uh, it's coming up on that time where, well, as a matter of fact, before we let you go, I'm going to go ahead and get off the No Agenda stream because it's behind the schemes time, and those guys uh, deserve their time on the No Agenda stream as yes, well. Yes, put them on. So uh, I right, see you guys who listeners, live listeners will see. 
Yeah, besides her. She's still here. <laughs> but I do want to thank the listeners for listening in. So We do indeed. I'll be, Adios. I'll be out of here. Uh, uh, so the no agenda stream is clear. Uh, I think the last time I ch asked Doug, he, he told me it was uh, 50. Somebody's calling my phone. And uh, let's see what Doug says. There's 20 people on the no agenda stream. Or, I mean, the hog story stream plus 66 on the no agenda stream. There you go. So we got 80 people close to 100. Actually, wow. with uh, the more people that jumped in on the hog story stream. So look at that. Yeah. I know you're a popular guy. <laughs> really packed them in. Yeah, I'm going to get all these uh, names of all the people listening so you can block them too. Anyway, so you can <laughs> uh, send me those things that you were promising and I, I will put them aside. Thanks. I appreciate it. I'm going to take off. Okay. Uh, we appreciate you coming and hanging out with us. And uh, say goodbye to Carolyn when she finally reappears. I will. Uh, uh, we really do appreciate it. And uh, thanks again. It was a All pleasure right. talking Talk to you. you guys later. Sure. Bye. Bye. And he's gone. I'm still on. Carolyn's not here. I'm just here by myself. So what? where can I go? What can I do? Um, I will scroll back up through my clips because I want to share with you some more of that incessant NPR bullshit. Like, well, I mean, of course, Doug Ford, uh, but also... And Greeks came too. The Greeks, they came all over the place. I just swallowed the beat. Yeah, you did, buddy. Yeah, you did. And so, uh, right. What do I do by myself? I don't know. I really don't know. I do know how I hate that it, it just mixes up the order of the clips and puts them in random places. That's pretty neat. You know, that's the neatest thing. Ah, here we go. Intro to this, uh, food researcher or whatever. Nadia is the sensory science manager at Ocean Spray Cranberries. And back in the day, while earning her PhD at Penn State, her dissertation focused on how personality and experiential variables impact liking spicy food. Experiential variables? You mean experience? Which Nadia adores. My PhD advisor always liked to joke that I was born to study this because my name is Dr. Burns. <laughs> For me... <laughs> okay. Well, her name's spelled B-Y-R-N-E-S, not B-U-R-N-E-S. So whatever. God, NPR is terrible. Women liked the sensation, the novelty of the spiciness itself. Oh, Whereas men who liked the burn tended to also be more sensitive to those social rewards. Oh. And that kind of tracks with what Ruth Tam said earlier about spiciness being a competition. Here's Nadia. The society that we exist in often tends to reinforce that eating spicy foods is a macho behavior mm -hmm. or yeah. it's some sort of indication of strength. And so it's kind of this reinforcement loop. So at the end of the day, Nadia found that those who have a higher sensitivity to reward are well, also good. more likely to enjoy spicy food. And if you're not one of these people, we have good news for you. You can learn how to eat and enjoy spicy food. Oh, uh, you can just hear the shit eating grin on her face. Like, no shit, lady. And who the fuck doesn't like rewards? What, you, I got a cookie. You want a cookie? No. I don't like rewards. I don't like nice things that I want. <sighs> that whole show is like that. Just full of saying, oh, we got these scientists, these research to do uh, some studies for us about why you eat hot peppers. And it turns out you eat them because you like them. No, 
shit. And that's why Doug Ford swallowed a bee. I just swallowed a bee. Because he liked it. And it was probably spicy. All that poison in there. That's, uh, that's probably why. And uh, that's why you like this show. Because we're spicy. Oh, and we talked about records I didn't even mention uh, before while Dvorak was on. That I'm giving away a Prince record. The contest is still going. And uh, the time for the winning will be soon. It will be, well, next week or the week after. Let's say the week after. So you got two more weeks. Send me an email, john at hogstory.net. That's J-O-H-N at hogstory.net. Send me an email. Subject line, Purple Rain. Purple Rain. You don't have to be a member of uh, the time or nothing. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Uh, not available in all states or whatever the fuck. And um, send me an email with your name in there, whatever you want me to call you. Like I said, uh, subject line, Purple Rain. I will put all those into a randomizer and uh, have a, a trendy app pick the name for me. And uh, if your name is picked... I will announce it on the show and then just send me another email with uh, where you want me to mail it and I will mail it to you and you will owe me nothing except maybe a thanks. But that's not even required. I uh, just want you to have this Prince Purple Rain picture disc. You can do whatever you want with it. Hang it on the wall of your house or your dog house. Uh, you know, you could throw it in the yard, hit a child with it from across the street. Uh, you can try and take down government bird drones with it. Uh, whatever you would like. Or put it on a record player uh, with a, an appropriate preamp. And uh, just blast the shit out of it. Whatever you would like to do. Hello. Hey, you're back and Dvorak's gone. He said bye and he had a pleasure talking with you. Oh, that's nice. I had a pleasure talking with Dvorak too. It's getting late and so he was, uh, he had to go. But he had a good time. And so he, oh, wanted, I'm he glad. wanted to tell you bye. Aw, thanks. <laughs> and I was just uh, wrapping up with the uh, talk about the picture disc. And um, and uh, uh, what else? Um, well, if uh, you got any value from this show. Oh, wait. Uh, there's still remnants of my uh, parts of my soul still trapped in the uh, computer there. So I'll let him say it. You want to say it for me, buddy? Feeling up to it? If you received any value from this show. Consider giving value back by going to hogstory.net slash donate and become an executive producer. You can also send us a boostagram by finding us on any podcasting 2.0 compliant app. Nudepodcastapps.com Good job. Yeah, good job, buddy. He's a little tired and, you know, his soul is waning. I really do a good job. Are you there, Carolyn? Her internet may have uh, took yet another shit. And so she's gone. And I'll just say, I had a great time here. Thanks again to Mr. John C. Dvorak. The, uh, the person some may call a buzzkill on the No Agenda show. Uh, you can follow him at no Agenda on No Agenda Social. That's uh, John C. Dvorak. Maybe he'll block you. Maybe I will too. You never know. Nah, I'm kidding. I don't do that. And uh, where she was uh, battling uh, Roger's internet for most of the show, she was Carolyn Blaney. And you were in the smoker with us. This has been episode 312 of Hog Story. We appreciate everybody uh, participating in the chat room. 
calling in, leaving voicemails, which the ones we didn't get to, trust me, I'll play next time. Uh, thank you for leaving those. It was just uh, talking with Dvorak, you know, I got caught up in stuff. And I didn't want to interrupt him. And thank you for the boostograms. Well, as a matter of fact, let me go back and I'll, I'll read these boostograms that we didn't get to because we appreciate those too. Uh, really, we really do. Uh, Abel Kirby saying, JZD is a guest on the Hog Story. Surprise, motherfucker. He sent in uh, quad eights. And uh, Omaha saying, what? That's with uh, 42. 42. Uh, which I have a clip for that. Let me just just find it for you. I was uh, trying to tell me I don't. I know I do. You can't tell me these things. Really, clips? Uh, really? Am I in the wrong folder? No, I'm not. I'm not. And how could it think I was? Oh, now I'm back. Oh, you're back. I was just reading the uh, boostograms before I wrapped oh. up. I already said that you were Carolyn Blaney. So, oh, uh, that's that's cool. Yeah, that's right. That's for Omaha. Sir Omaha to you. Uh, Cold Acid. He says, uh, great to finally hear JCD on the show. Also, there's nothing in my house that isn't internet connected hey, that should Emily be. Kwong here. Although, I can't say the same for the inverse. Mmm, 31213. Nice palindrome. Hook your Lego, Lego up to the internet, buddy. Uh, and yeah. also that very real uh, Atari controller. Which, of course, I know what an Atari controller is. I think I'm older than you, Cold Acid. I may be about a couple of years, and uh, I definitely had an Atari. And definitely oh. sucked that controller up my butt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you probably read them all. I was going to no, say I wanted I, to read uh, one. I did read the Booberry one earlier, so you can read the one from Pfeiffer. Oh, okay. Yeah, Pfeiffer came in from uh, Fountain with the 77, 77 sats, and he says, Curious if JCD likes bluegrass. And we, we were finding that out. He, uh, he is in like uh, quad sevens. Seven. Seven. Uh, seven. <laughs> seven. 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 Yeah, <laughs> Bully Steed saying JCD score with quad threes. Very nice. Thank you, Bully Steed. And uh, we also have uh, Tom Starkweather coming in from Curiocaster uh, with 5,000 sats. And he says JCD's original hoot beer. Woot beer. Hoot beer. Yeah, because, uh, oh, did you miss right. the part where he said he couldn't pronounce root beer? He called it woot beer. I missed that. I probably missed a lot. Oh, All you, these uh, droppings to... and uh, off the list of my own show, you know? Hey, it happens sometimes. Still here. It happens uh, to the best it of us. It happened three times, brutally. Yeah, that does suck. Cold acid again saying, I still hunt the wumpus. Quad threes. And then uh, Cold Acid again saying, fuck WordPress, use Podcast Generator. I've been looking at that, man, and uh, I'm thinking about it, you know? He's the good dude to go to. We gotta, we gotta go ask, uh, get Cold Acid to help us out. And again, you know, he, get on there. he came in again saying, Rob Ford, preparing us for our grim bug feud, bug food future. One, two, three, four sets. Oh, that's a Doug Ford that would do Doug that. Ford. Yes. Cold, yeah. And, and then uh, we got uh, and then we got another one from Cold Acid, and he says nine 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 sats, and he says building infrastructure is expensive. Also, regulatory capture CRTC is owned by Bell. 
Rogers, and tell us. Ned Ned says, great show. Love the banter with JCD. And he called me a maniac. 10,000 sets. <laughs> he did. It's because he uh, did. you are a maniac, sir. Calling it calling it as he sees him. You maniacs. <laughs> They're maniacs. They're crazy. Oh. That's right. Uh, thank you, everybody, for all the sats, uh, all the uh, chats. I saw all that going by in the yeah. chat room. I wasn't ignoring you on purpose. I just can't read and talk at the same time because I'm a moron. But thank you. And like I said, we will be playing all the voicemails we didn't get to on the next show. I promise. And um, yep. yeah, and feel- for real, I uh, won't be here next week. So. Oh, oh yeah. Right. Yeah. That's all right. The show must go on. The show must go on, and uh, Fletcher will take care of you, and I'll be, I'll be, I'll be over there. Our thoughts, our listening. prayers, our players, our mini discs, our zip drives—all of that will be with you. And, yes. Uh, yep. I'll be in the pilgrimage of uh, fun times. Yes, and our and uh, yes, our well wishes will be helping uh, helping ensure the fun times. Excellent. Thank you. They will be. I, I appreciate that. All of the collective energy will be focused like a laser <laughs> on your meat suit. <laughs> uh, and I hope you get a lot more, got, get more entries for the, for the Prince. I think it will. Disc. They, they have been coming in. There's quite a Excellent. few. Great. Quite so get the, a few. Get those entries in. Oh yeah. This is for you. This meat suit focused like a laser. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Excellent. Very much. And, uh, well, so the music just doesn't keep looping over and over and over and over again. I'll uh, tell you one last time that I was Fletcher. And I have been Carolyn. And you've been in the smoker with us. Thank you all very much for listening. Thanks again, JCD. And uh, thank you, JCD. And, and bye. Have a great night. Thank you for talking with us. I'll have to <laughs> I'm send sorry, them. I kept dropping. Uh, it's all your fault. <laughs> well, screw them. <laughs> Until next time. Adios, mofos. Adios. <laughs>